Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is September the 27th of 2023, and I'm Nick. You're only here by my friend, my good friend, Quinn, whom I would never force to do anything that they didn't want to do. At first, it sounded other like... Than the stuff that, other than the stuff that I've already done, uh, so... Being vague really creates uh, weird interpretations of what may have happened here. Uh, at first, it felt like you were keeping me at distance. Like, let's let's introduce, let's say, my friend Quinn. Uh, I've made no, her. My friend. I've made her do things. Let's keep it vague. Yeah, I made you read a manga. That's true. Um, and I think that this is definitely the first case of I made you read a manga for six September. Um, normally, it's like I made us read a manga. Uh-huh. Um, and this case was, I don't know, I don't know why I decided to do this. It was on the recommendations list for since 6 September. I had already read it before and I knew I could do it again. And uh, I just subjected you to it this time. So I really can't stress what a dumb idea it was. What a, what a dumb idea it is to have a month where we just torture ourselves. <laughs> we keep uh, doing it. Yeah, it just keeps happening. I, I can change this. There's, there's no higher up that I, I need to go through. There's no boss that's like, no, it makes too much. It brings in the dollars. Um, I could stop at any moment. I just, I guess that the, the, that's the, the masochistic side of me. Um, but this truly was a, a painful uh, manga reading experience. The manga we're talking about today is uh, considered by many to be a classic. And I say many, and I don't know exactly how to define that. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of people who really like this manga. There has to be, because <laughs> it, it did well enough to get a sequel series. Yeah. It also sold very well. Um to Love Rue is a manga by uh, Semi Saki and Kentaro Yabuki. Uh, Yabuki did all the art for the series. Uh, so this is one of the series where he did the art but did not do the story. Although, from what I understand, he did, you know, help to I think generate he, ideas for yeah. it. There's an uh, entire uh, small arc in the story that's just about his previous uh, series. So he definitely had some yes. some hand in the storytelling. And that becomes an even bigger part of the sequel. Oh uh, so, <laughs> um, the premise of the series uh, is that a loser teenager is surrounded by hot women, and that's it. It doesn't matter what all the particulars <laughs> are. Uh, like there are certain particulars, but the, I mean the girls that surround him, I. Many of them I don't even really consider characters. I, they're like archetypes. It's yeah. they. Uh, it's not that there aren't you know like well established characters. It's that a lot of them have very specific purposes and uh, precedents, and a lot of them just do not change over the course of the entire manga. Rito, the main character, does not change over the course of this entire manga. We're told that he does. He doesn't. Uh, Rito is just a generic kind of loser regular teenage boy uh and one day a naked girl appears in his bathroom and this happens many times this happens so many times to the point that when the series ended as a big look how far we've come thing there was a montage of all the times that girls randomly appeared in the bathroom with him naked and it happened so many times uh 
the girl is named Lala. She is an alien. She's the alien princess of a faraway planet. And she ran away from home because she didn't want to be forced to get married. Uh, and so she's decided to hang out with Rito because he's nice to her, basically. Uh, but uh, Rito, he really is just concerned with confessing to the girl next door, the girl that he's loved for years named Haruna. Uh, and then when he gets up the nerve in like the first chapter to confess to her, oops, Lala hears the confession and thinks it's meant for her. And so forms a love triangle between them. Uh, and that is how things start off. And then eventually more girls show up and a harem happens. And all of them like this really boring guy for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're very correct on that. Um, the, I guess, slight premise they start with is uh, kind of the idea that Latla has come down to Earth. So, and she's going to stay here. And she wants kind of Rito to marry her. Um, mm -hmm. But that doesn't stop that, like, it doesn't prevent the fact that she still has obligations to get married. So other suitors are going to kind of come to the planet, people who want to mm -hmm. marry Latla, and Rito will have to deal with them. But this isn't about a manga, so it's, like, silly. It's, like, right. whatever stuff. Lala, I guess. Sorry. There is a character named Latla later on you're, in the manga. When you're disassociating. You're trying to <laughs> you're trying to escape to a better if you, series. If you, if you actually stare at my uh, video feed long enough, you'll see my soul is trying to currently <laughs> escape my body. Um mm -hmm. So, yeah, the series is kind of bad for a while, but then eventually uh, uh, Andy shows up. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> My experience reading this is, yeah, the series is bad for a while, but then eventually your cat will come into the room and you get to pet it for a while. <laughs> and the series kind of really jumps up a couple points and that happens. Uh, Lala is going to have all these suitors come for her right. and the characters will have to deal with it. Like the idea that Lala is an alien and other aliens will come out. Uh, will be around is like the start of this series premise uh but very quickly that gets kind of tossed aside it'll get like referenced here and there and then eventually there's like just a chapter where the king comes to earth and is like oh yeah rito fucking rules actually we're gonna call off the whole suitor thing i uh doesn't really explain himself yeah. why he's doing that at all uh yeah it's just that's it yeah uh so they they, they put that out there and that kind of puts an end to the alien thing uh, it, it should be noted there's like another principal uh, alien on the cast. I guess technically two. I don't. There's, I don't know what the. Few. I don't know what the fucking lore of Yami is supposed to be. Because for a while well, she's an well, alien. We have to read the sequel for that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not touching the sequel. All I know is she was an alien. Then the fucking black cat showed up, and he's like, actually, you might be the same character from, from the other manga. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just ejecting this stupid piece of information. I refuse to acknowledge it. Uh, but there's also an alien character named Ren, who, uh, when they sneeze, yes. turns into... So, like, you want to say colloquially they, they changed to the opposite sex, Ren and Run, two different people. Uh, but it right. is more worth noting they changed to a completely different person. There is not, like, yes. one shared personality between them. They are two no. staunchly different people. With different goals yes. uh, of what of, of what they want to do, and what uh, one of them is an attractive woman. So you can guess which one the story actually cares about. I don't think we see Ren outside of the context that every so often Run will sneeze and he'll be left stuck in an outfit that he finds embarrassing. Like I, I'm legitimately trying to think if there's a single Ren chapter post chapter ten because I think well, this is something I was actually curious about, okay. Quinn. Uh, so I've read this series before uh -huh. and 
to kind of force myself to be better prepared than just like scrolling through stuff and let my brain just kind of absorb it while my conscious mind went somewhere else. I actually took chapter by chapter notes. It's oh all, this God. series is this. I, this is too much work I put into this. This series is only 166 chapters. I say only. That's still you know more than three years of publication. Uh, but for the amount of content you get in each chapter, it was, it's not a whole lot, honestly. You can get through this very quickly. Um, so I did a total of three different things. Uh, I'll get to the last one eventually, but uh, the first one that I did was just tracking, like, what chapters have, like, actual merit to them. <laughs> and I say that as someone who is like, look, if you're not into the fan service of this series, which is, let's be real, the primary selling point of it is that there is a lot of fan service in it. Uh, then what do you get out of reading this? Are there some moments where, like, you know, plot development happens? Not really, because because there is no overarching plot after uh, Lala's father decides, like, yeah, sure. Rito's your fiance was like, well, then there's no way for things to develop outside of resolving the love triangle, which eventually becomes a love dodecahedron. Well, no, not a love dodecahedron, a love tree, because there's lots of different girls that are lots of branches that all just come in on on Rito. Uh-huh. So. Uh, and one of the others that I did was actually tracking character appearances like chapter by chapter does a character show up and there were actually a couple that eventually I was like this character showed up way more than I thought that they would so I completely neglected to track them at all Oshizu the ghost girl I completely forgot that she's just around for like two thirds of the manga just being Harana's friend and doing nothing she's just around Uh, and so one of the characters that I tracked was Ren because as you said eventually Run or Run however you say her name just is just the primary focus. It's no longer, oh, here's this character who goes back and forth between these. It's, no, here's the cute one with tits. Mm-hmm. So she's the one that is in control basically all of the time unless Ren can be somewhere in swim trunks so that he can sneeze and then Ren will be topless yes. when she shows up. Yeah. And literally, like, Ren gets an entire fucking... For some reason, she becomes a celebrity. She becomes an idol girl, like three quarters through the story. And that's just her primary character trait instead of this dynamic that she has with Ren. Ren does not appear in, I kid you not, the last 50 chapters of this manga. (laughs) But Ren's still showing up like every few chapters. Like, there she is, still being an idol who wants to have sex with Rito. Yeah, I, I I guess the challenge for the the author team was that uh, Ren... Could very easily have a crush on Rito, which is is, is great because like all the girls have a crush on Rito. So that's, easy. that's the thing. Uh, but Ren, uh, there's no homosexuality in this manga. That is not allowed. So he has to have a crush on a female character. Lotla, I believe. I, I honestly, it's been so long since the early chapters. I can't remember, but I think he right. was pine after Lotla. And we yes. can't have another character keeping in that spot. Like, we can have characters comment on how attractive she is, but we cannot pull away from, like, the dynamic that we've already kind of established. So there's nowhere left for Ren to go. They, we, we've established nothing else about him other than, like, he he's trying to impress La- Lala. I'm just going to call her Lala. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah, he's trying to impress Lala. Uh, but once that's 
not something you could really do. What's the point? Who cares? Right. Uh, so, yes, you're completely correct that, like, the ongoing plot of the story just does kind of goes away eventually. And instead, what we're left with is just shenanigans, shenanigans that devolve into uh, etchy stuff happening to literally all the girls in this. This series starts off with some sense of boundaries. Uh, for example, Rito has a younger sister. At first, she doesn't get treated as a sex object because she's like 12. Tops. 11. I think you're right. I think she is specifically 11. Which they makes they, they even... call her out as 11 at some point. And I was I was like, I'm going to vomit now. I'm going to go to the bathroom and vomit. More, I would be slightly more comfortable if there was any sense of nebulousness to it. Because, God, just she just ends up getting essentially the same treatment only less often than all of the girls who are at least not pre-adolescent. All the girls in this, by the way, I don't think a single one of them tops... 16 uh except for the one adult that routinely shows up mikado who by the way is a terrible character <laughs> just, I, just I, I i have list uh nick a list of my uh top five most hated characters in to love Ru, and i have a note at the top to be clear there's only one good character in this series and yes. everyone else sucks uh, I, I don't yes. know if we're going to agree on who's the one good character is, but there is one. I know who your character is. Uh, it, I know it, who your character it, is. My, there is one good character, and it's the dog. <laughs> who, <laughs> at no point do they make sexual jokes out of. Uh, it's just a dog. He's got a silly little face. He's very cute. Sometimes they can talk to him, and that's nice, but it's just a goofy looking dog. Everyone else in this series is some different degree. I'll, I'll get my list later, but I, I just wanted to note. Uh, from this point forward, if we introduce a character, I need to make it clear that my opinion on them is they suck. Got it. Uh, yes, I do agree with you that, yes, Marin is great. Uh, I remember having very little thoughts on them the first time I read this series. But since then, you know, I've gotten to know you considerably better. Uh, we bonded over a lot of stuff. Uh, and even though I don't generally like dogs, I like the dogs that you like, typically. Mm. And also, my wife, of course, likes dogs. So there's only so much that I can hold on to that. And yes, Marin is a silly little Boston Terrier who uh, talks like an old man uh, when, whenever he gets a <laughs> chance to talk. It's like, well, yep, uh, I'm sure I'm house trained. Going to go lick my master's face. Yep, <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> He's got goals and he keeps to them. Uh, yes, um, Lala is an inventor, keeps on causing problems with her inventions and uh she sucks uh yeah. she's 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 nice but she's irritating harina is I, boring I, I, okay <laughs> i want to say two things one i'll give this to lala um she is probably the only character who i feel like i can't like neatly fit into a particular trope like she is the naive outgoing ambitious one she's the the one who's like who cares if I'm not wearing clothes? But everyone else is like, whoa, you're supposed to be embarrassed. And she's like, why? Uh, although later on, eventually she does get embarrassed by it. Um, but she, she has something, I guess. I, I, I don't want to say it's like, oh, what a you know refreshing, invigorating character. But there is something compared to almost every other character in this cast who is awful. Uh, Harna, 
is terrible. Like when I first so boring. She has nothing. I, I literally you could describe her character as like, oh, she's sweet, she's nice, she has an older sister. And I at first I was like, <laughs> Harna uh walked so Ona Dara could run, but that's unfair to both characters. It's more like Harna fell down the stairs and shattered her spine so that Odo Dara could like vibrate across the floor. <laughs> like, I don't know how to say it, but both of those characters kind of suck. But like Odo Dara is like so many leagues forward in comparison. Harna is so uninteresting. I don't get it. There is something to be said about the way that we had to read this, which was in the span of a month. Uh-huh. It's a series that ran for three and a half years. We, so we covered that time in approximately at approximately 40 times speed. Uh, you know, there is something to be said of etchy harem comedy series and their place in shonen manga. Uh, you know, they're... They're that bit at the very tip top of the food pyramid, you know, a sometimes thing, a sometimes treat. But at the same time, if that little bit is missing, the pyramid would feel incomplete somehow. But this way of reading this series, this was like, this was like drinking an entire bottle of olive oil. (laughs) Like it's not meant to be consumed this way. From the <laughs> from the first moment you start, you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't should. be doing this, but here we go. <laughs> All you can do is just keep drinking. You're like, why? What am I here for? Uh, yeah, no, this is one of those moments where you're like, why even have art? But why why do we do this to ourselves? I I don't know. How to, so we we should I guess go into a bit more detail about why this is so bad because we've we've said the characters aren't very good, but it, it is worth like really stressing that this manga is etchy. Uh, it is all about fan service, and at the time, uh, this, you know, uh, Yabuki and the author, uh, whose name I'm, I'm blanking on right now, I apologize. Saki, uh, I can't remember their other name all of a sudden. Yeah, Saki. Yeah. So. Um, they wanted to push the boundaries a bit with what they could get away with in fan service. And and to a degree they do. There's a lot of stuff that you would just expect. Skirts get flipped up, shirts pop off. Wow, there's you know people walk in and people dressing. Uh, but they do oftentimes push uh, some of the envelope in in what you're uh, watching. Now uh, we are currently at the vantage point of 2023. Uh, right. I think this came out late 2000s. Um, so we've had. I don't want to use the word pleasure. <laughs> But we've read Ayakashi Triangle, and we know... We've read Monster Musume. Yeah, we know what level fan service can get to, Yabuki fan service in particular. It's not quite as extreme as that, um, but it doesn't detract from how uh, voluminous the fan service is. Like, Even though it doesn't go much further than like upskirts and stuff like that, it is every chapter. It's non-stop in this series. I uh, The last thing that I kept track of uh, was something that I'm referring to as uh, Rito Syndrome, mm-hmm. which is when the protagonist of an Echi series uh, winds up in a perverted situation 
through no fault of their own in order to preserve their innocent nature while they somehow stare at, accidentally grope, and otherwise sexually harass every female character around them in a way that is somehow innocent. And uh, so when I was taking notes on, like, you know, important chapters, chapters that I was like, oh, yeah, like an actual thing happens uh, in this section, uh, I took notes on 64 chapters of 166. So a bit more than that, a third of the story. And that's a little bit generous. I was going to say, that seems high to me. That included, you know, a fair number of chunks of like, well, an actual mini story arc takes place. So mm-hmm. there's like consequences from one chapter to the next, even if the overall plot was kind of pointless. Uh, for chapters where specifically Rito ends up in a perverted situation through no fault of his own, which does not count all the times where he's not present when girls are bathing or whatever. I took notes on 116 chapters. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's, it's more than double plot relevant chapters. Uh, yeah. And, um, Oh my God. More than two thirds of all chapters feature that specific type of fan service happening, which in another sense uh, really does expose how stretched thin even the aim of the series is. Because you mentioned like, oh yeah, at the time, like Saki and Yabuki were trying to like push the boundaries. But you could tell at a certain point, they ran out of ideas on how yeah. to do that. Because the same stuff just keeps on happening. It just gets to a point where, you know, Rito is falling face first into a girl's crotch and then it's like, well, where do you go from there? It was like, oh, well, he accidentally grabs their boobs or their butt. Okay, where do you go from there? Well, he grabs their boobs or their butt while they're naked, or he somehow his hands end up, end up inside their underwear. So, so where do you what where do you go from there in order to actually like keep on upping the oh, what can we get away with game? It's like you've you've hit it. You've hit what is allowable at the time that you're making the series. So if that is your primary aim, then what the fuck is the point of writing it anymore if that is all you're really trying to aim to do? And I don't have a problem with someone being like, well, I want to draw pervy stuff of girls being naked and embarrassed. And it's like, okay, whatever. Don't I do not care anymore. It gives nothing anymore to me. But Uh, but when I can recognize that, like, that's all you're doing, then I start to look for, okay, are you doing literally anything else while you're putting all this time and effort into making this series? If you're not, then okay. You're just putting out empty sugar into the world and there's nothing else there. In which case, if you're not enjoying that taste, then there's no reason to read it. And it's really, really weird because the nature by which that stuff is delivered does actually change slightly over the course of the story. As in the cake that all the sugar is based on is slightly different. Uh, You mentioned before, like, Oh, it starts off with this idea that like, Oh, these aliens are going to come to earth. They're going to be a threat to Rito because they want to be Lala's fiance and marry her. And so they're a danger to him. And then that, that gets dropped. So what happens then? Well, then at some at a certain point, like Yami is introduced. She's introduced like 30 chapters into the story and she's immediately a very important character 
because stuff can actually happen that involves her. And I'm not saying that it's all good, but it's definitely a different, uh, you know, flavor that can be introduced into a story when you've suddenly got an assassin as part of your main cast. Mm-hmm. It could be there could be more excuses for action scenes and stuff. Then about a year into the story, Yui, the student council president, gets introduced. She is just such a she's all she is there for is to be really upset that perverted stuff is happening. And then that's just kind of it. And then and then said perversion happens to her. Happens to her. And at that point, the series is just full on in just sitcom mode Mm -hmm. uh, where a wacky thing will start to happen because Lala's invented something or an alien has come to Earth or one of the myriad of weird aliens who lives in the community does something that causes everything to go haywire. And you just kind of follow the instant as it goes around to the five or six established girls that have been introduced by this point so that perverted stuff can happen to them in very slightly different ways. And then by the end time the chapter is ended, well, we took up a lot of time visiting Haruna and then Yui and then Yami and then uh, the, the rich girl, Saki. So now that we've done that, oh, we ran the clock out. The chapter's over. Hey, and then next time, oh, a different wacky adventure can happen. That's entirely different. And you just repeat that over and over and over and over and over again. That is like a full year of this manga. It's just the same thing happening over and over again. With the same structure to it. Yeah, no, that, that it's like a legit uh hell <laughs> is like reading this series in a condensed <laughs> format because you truly just you sit there you're like what am i doing i don't like i just can't comprehend what's happening it, it like to explain like we've read shitty uh perverted shit before like mm-hmm. we talked about monster mutsume earlier this year which yeah. was like more graphic in its fan service but like honestly not like more shameless than this mm-hmm. series uh but like you really need to like ex- like stress and exaggerate uh how little substance there is to this series i think it's like around chapter 100 where rito finally starts to admit he has feelings for lala because for Dear. Right on the money on when that yeah. happens, yes. Because uh, for the most part of the series, he's not interested. I should say he's not interested in Lala, but his focus is like, I love Hard. I've always loved her. She's been my crush for forever. That's who I want to give my affection to. And Lala's very sweet. She's introduced. She, she's she's shaken everything you know up in my life. Uh, but he's never like said I love her too. And then uh, finally, they they do a very stupid arc. But at the like at the the height of it, he he realizes he has feelings for her. And that's a while, like, again, like, Nisekoi, I think it's around, like, chapter 50 where you start getting, like, real progression. I think that's when Chitake realizes she's like, fuck, I actually do, like, Raku or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's the idea that, it, like, we, we've been reading uh, Blue Box, move forward, uh, we never learned, had, like, small emotional progressions. This, like, chapter 100 moment where uh, Rito, like, kind of realizes he has feelings is, like, the first real progression in that story between the two of them they're, they're like their relationship hasn't really developed or like grown in any way since the start beyond it and then like it doesn't really change again until like the very end of the series it's weird like the last like 20 chapters feel like they have so much more consequence because characters finally are able to like express unemotion 
uh, beyond just like, oh, uh, it's time for us to clean the pool. Uh-oh. We replaced the water with clothes dissolving water. All of our clothes are dissolving off. And then, like, at, you know, nothing of consequence happens. I'm shocked that you didn't actually name the premise for a chapter when you said that, because <laughs> <laughs> it's very like, close. That seems like it's, it's close, but it's not quite. <laughs> there, there is a frog that has the power to dissolve people's clothes, and he shows up yes. twice. Yes, uh, but and, and they also they like create tools based off of its saliva to use uh, too. <laughs> it, it 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 was very close to an actual premise, but uh, enough details I, I can't get sued in court. Uh, around the time that you mentioned where Rito finally starts to admit to himself that he has feelings for Lala, that's also where Lala's uh, twin sis- younger twin sisters show up, Momo and Nana, and. It's really weird because they're not in a lot of the rest of the manga, but they sometimes actually kind of nudge things towards at least happening when they're around because they're they're much more action oriented because like Nana can talk to animals and Momo can talk to plants. Uh, and so they use that for battling and stuff. And so it's like, oh, now you've got multiple characters now who can like do fighting things. So if. Uh, some sort of opposition shows up. It's not just one of two different things happening. Either Lava's invention or her super strength beats it or Yami cuts it up. So we have different things that can actually happen. Because uh, that's kind of the problem is whenever an actual serious thing happens for a big chunk of the series, it just kind of stops being a threat when the story is over. It doesn't ever feel like anyone actually accomplishes anything. And literally there is a point where they're all stranded on an alien planet. It looks like things are really bad. And then Mikata just shows up and saves them because she just does. Yeah. No one learns anything. No one accomplishes anything. It's just like, well, no, the plot's over. Done with that premise. Gone. It feels like there's so many opportunities for characters to have something. And like, I'm not asking for a lot. Like, you know, again, like you can look at problems with other kind of like comedy fan service romance harem series. Um, but say it like, let's take real quick, um, uh, uh, fuck, what's, uh, what's, what's the one with Raku? Uh, Nisekoi. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I've linked on that name, Nick. I have just consumed so much garbage. Things had to go. Uh, Nisekoi very early on had a plot where, uh, Chitage, uh, was sad around Christmas because she wanted to spend it with her mom, but her mom was too busy. And I think it's only like a couple chapters long, but like the end of it is like Raku going out of his way to help facilitate the two of them getting to spend Christmas together. And it's a mm-hmm. very sweet thing. It just has emotion to it. It's great. I would kill for just anything like that in this series. There's actually a chapter that feels like it's very close to it. His little sister. There wants is, there his, is a Christmas chapter. Yeah, yes. His little sister wants their parents home for Christmas. And then. They just, they just do it. They're like, here they are. <laughs> and that's the chat. Like, there's like a couple goofy fan service jokes. And then that's the chapter. And you're like, I just, I don't like it. Just there's so much nothing in this series. There's, there's very little in like characters having emotions with one another to the point where you're just like, I just don't understand what any of these characters find like interested about each other i uh, like you could only assume it's physical at this point because there's no like interest emotional stuff going on yet they see each other naked so frequently how could that possibly mm-hmm. be an interesting thing for them anymore you're just like i just don't get how these relationships are, are motivated 
Yeah, I actually wrote a note on one of these, which was, holy shit, this series passes the Bechtel test now. Uh, oh, that's what it was. Okay. So I, I was I was trying to figure out what this actually was, because here's the thing. For a while, I was convinced that the series was not only going to fail the Bechtel test, it was going to invert it. There are so many situations where girls are uh, two girls are alone and Rito's not around, and they only talk about Rito exclusively. <laughs> they talk about nothing else except what they think about him, and one of them convinces the other to feel more positively towards him. There is eventually a point where uh, Run is, uh, like, she's doing her idol thing. She has a conversation with another character from another Yabuki series. <laughs> another Black Cat character shows up. And they just talk about, like, you know, the pressures of, like, you know, being a celebrity and, you know, wanting to do a good job and stuff like that. And how each of them has, actually, as it turns out, encouraged the other through their career and stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, people can have lives outside of what they think about this <laughs> one loser teenager. <laughs> I was shocked. And it did not happen for the entire rest of the series. I was say, there's, there's small moments I think you could, find, you could pick out like that. I feel like there's, like, a chapter where... Uh... I can't remember her name. The little sister interact Mikan act interacts with Yami and like they do a couple things, but maybe they also talk about Rito the whole they time. They do talk about Rito oh. a fair number of times. Oh. But oh, honestly Honestly, Mikan and, and Yami's friendship is one of the very few redeeming qualities of this manga. Just these two just this weird assassin and this and this, you know, pr- fairly innocent girl who thinks that she's cool and decides to become her friend, so they become friends. It's like that could be nice. Uh, and also, I will say, it was really weird. About 120 chapters into this manga, there is a stretch where I, where I thought, if the entire series had been like this, this would be a much better series overall. It would still be very perverted. It would still have all sorts of stupid fan service. But at least certain things would feel as if they mattered when they actually happened because there's this, there's this entire uh, like five chapter ish long arc where at some point early in the series, Lala gave Rito a gift, which was this giant man eating plant that hangs out in the yard. Oh my God. And uh, so there is like a five chapter arc where Rito and like Lala and her sisters uh, and Yami, I think I'll go to this alien planet to try and find this cure for it. Can, can, and can I like add something to this? Go ahead. When it's originally show, cause like, it's like, like a chapter eight thing or something like that. Uh, Rito gets this enormous, like man eating plant monster in his backyard. as like a gift or right. something like that. And it just perpetually shows up throughout the series just to kind of be like, a it's con- just in the background, like a continuity thing. Like, remember that it doesn't do anything, but right. yeah, like a chapter starts and it's sick. They're like, I don't know if we're going to be able to fix this. And it, this is legitimately the only moment in the series where I was like, I like Rito. He's like, I don't yeah. care where the fuck we had to go. We're saving this thing. It is our, it's part of our family. I'm saying this thing. He actually uses its name, uh, but he's like, we're saving this. this he, like, this is a member of our family. We're not going to let her die. And I was like, this is like a charming act. Like, this is something that I can see why people would fall in love with this kid for. Cause it's like an oh, admirable sure. trait. So carry on. I just want to establish like, that's how they set this up. So they go to this planet and it's infested with a bunch of like really evil dickwad plants uh at first even nana who can talk to plants is having trouble dealing with them 
because they're just such big dickheads that they aren't listening to her. Uh, and there's this fog that's like disabling Lala's abilities. Uh, and Yami is having, tr uh, can't uh, use her transformation ability to stab stuff. So it's like, oh, well, all these, you know, normally really strong characters have all gone on this mission to save the day. And a lot of their abilities just aren't working. So a lot of them have to rise to the occasion. Uh, Yami adjusts her fighting and is like, I'll just punch stuff because I'm a good martial artist. Uh, Momo comes up with this big bluff where she injects this one plant with a, with a thing and says, it's going to die now if you all don't get the hell out of here and all the plants run away. Turns out it was a bluff. And then Rito and Lala, while Lala's really weak, they have like a bit of bonding moment together. They come across this one plant that's really struggling. They help it get to some water. And then uh, when a big, huge monster plant thing comes by, it uh, helps them. And then it offers them some of its fruit because it turns out it's the plant that has the fruit that is going to cure Celine, the giant man-eating plant back home. So mm -hmm. it feels like everyone who went on this on this mission actually kind of accomplished something mm -hmm. in some small form. And there's been there's big stakes. It feels like they're in real danger because a lot of people were weak, but they managed to get through it and they do it all on their own. Yeah. No one shows up to save the day and completely diminish all the tension that was built up. They get through it on their own. They're paid off for being good characters. They get back home and Celine, they're too late. They're too late to save it. Oh, no. it's, di it's, it's dying and it's withering away. Nick, the other good character besides the dog in the fact, <laughs> in the fact that to the point we're at, it's never been used for stupid fan service, either as a vehicle or delivery for it. Nick. No, not at all. Never. Oh, no. Celine's dead. No, she's not. Turns out she didn't have that fatal plant disease at all. She was evolving. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> if this was real, Togekiss evolves into shitty Lillamon energy. <laughs> And when what comes out of it, little a little baby, yeah, a little baby that they call Celine. Oh, it's, it's a little baby. Okay, that's cute. Also, all right, not as interesting as a giant plant, but you know, cute mascot character. Oh no, her pollen makes girls horny. There's so many things. It's pollen makes girls horny. It's hungry for milk, so it jumps at characters' constantly. breasts constantly. And then it also just does, like, little kid shenanigans, and that causes fan service. Like, I'm going to jump into a character, and they're going to fall over. I'm going to run over here, and you're going to be exasperated. You're going to trip, and uh-oh, your skirt – like, it's just – you're just like, this character is basically just, like, an annoying dog. Like, <laughs> we yeah. have a good dog. Why do we need an annoying <laughs> – I think there's literally a scene where she sleeps in a dog bed, and I was like, yeah, sure, that's – it's not like she gets a room. They don't treat Celine like a person, really. It's just if they want to do like quick scenes where you're like, oh, these people are like a couple and this is their child or whatever, they can do that. And it's nothing. Um, so it sucks. Yes, uh, a horny togepi is what Z. Dale Shadow <laughs> said. It's kind of like that. Uh, yeah, it's. It's really weird that it's like this plot arc happens and it's like, well, that's the result of it. It's another vehicle for, for edgy scenes. We, the well had run so dry, we had to go on a giant quest to get a new one. Yeah, for it really. It, yeah, that is truly like the moment everything like falls apart where you're like, I guess because, yeah, that was like a fun moment. 
and then uh, it's just bad. And they do those sorts of chapter, like, little mini arcs every so often. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so frequently they end because, like, yeah, Mikado, the sensei, shows up and she's like, oh, I'll just bring you guys home. I think that happens at least three different times in the series. It's ridiculous. Like, two characters, like, multiple characters get stranded somewhere and they're like, we have no way to get home. And then Mikado will walk in and she's like, what are you guys doing here? Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's get home. Um... It's- I think we need to like start wrapping this up because yes. we have a lot of manga to talk about. But I wrote this list of my top five most hated characters, and I I, I will not be satisfied until I read it. Quinn's so, top five worst to love you characters. So I, I have two honorable honorable mentions. Quinn's top seven worst <laughs> to love you characters. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Ren and Run. We've kind of already gone through it. Okay. Uh, but Run is nothing. She's she, you know, it's just another character. Maybe if it's, like she yeah. had been actively a character since the start, and like the idol stuff was like a more consistent part, it, it might have been more interesting. But like that stuff comes in like last forty chapters, and before yeah. that point, she's just it, another girl. It feels, for it feels you know. really random when it happens. Yeah, uh, Ren that we already talked about. Uh, the other I'll mention is Yui who is just like a stickler for the rules and it's just like it's a a defrosting the ice queen kind of thing because she's like oh you guys are being improper but Uh, yeah rito is so nice and then yeah at the end of it someone will open number five nick is saki i want to like saki I think her, I think the concept of her is really good. Power Rangers will constantly have this kind of character, like the bulk and skull character, who like right. exist in there to try to meddle. Like they are they are bad people to a smaller degree. Where Saki is a character who's like the popular rich girl girl in school, and everyone loves her. And then she gets really upset when she sees how many people pay attention to Lala. So she like makes her dedication at that point, where she's like. I'm going to get one over on Lala. Like I'm going to prove my superiority and I'm going to use my riches and my, my hench girls to help me accomplish that. And it seems like it'd be fun. She's, she's doing bad things for bad reasons. Um, but you know, you want to see her get her comeuppance, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe like, Oh, I got wet instead. Or like, Oh, you know, whatever. I got hit with the pie. The problem is, is that her comeuppance is always her clothes exploding off right. or her, she's suddenly naked or it, it's, it's just always an uncomfortable thing. And she becomes this butt monkey of all of these horny jokes to the point where like she's not even bad anymore. Sometimes she's just yeah. walking down the street and then a character will trip right into her crotch and you're like, leave this poor girl alone. I can't stand this. Yeah, but remember when she used to be mean? Oh, yeah, just like I don't know what she did to continue deserving this. Saki uh, is is a sentimental favorite of mine actually in this in this story because you're completely right. She just she does feel like she's supposed to be a character who's like mean and gets her come up. Like a character that'd be fun to hate where right. you're like, oh, but you make me laugh. Two things. One is that she acts deliberately seductive and sexual, so her getting her clothes taken off and embarrassing her is kind of weird. Uh and two yeah, she just like that whole thing just gets dropped eventually. Eventually, you're right. She does get one of the late series better moments when there's a couple chapters dedicated to her running away from yeah. home because she's supposed to like go overseas according to her family's wishes, and if she does, she'll be separated from one of her underlings, who's also one of her best friends. So the three of them like work together to 
make sure that they stick together. And it's actually really nice and sweet because it has nothing to do with any of them liking Rito. None of them like Rito. But in this, I, in but this theory. And again, it's an admirable scene for Rito because he takes the lead when like she runs to him and Lala for help. He's like, I got to get you out of here. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good moment that works for everybody. It's a shame that it comes 98% of the way through the series. Right. Number four, Harna's horny friends. I don't know their names. Fuck. I don't care. These two motherfucking characters. They're awful. They, it's, it's like, hey, you remember? Chizuru and Chizuru too. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is not all these characters exist to do is to be aggressively horny and uncomfortable to Harna. There's like a chapter where the like the twist, like or the, like the running through line is the fact that. They're sexually assaulting Harna, and she's not protesting enough. And somebody's yeah. like, something's wrong with Harna. I'm grabbing her breast, and she's barely, you know, she's not acting weird. She's not acting like she doesn't want it at all. And you're like, I hate this. I hate every moment that these two characters show up. They'll disappear for a very long stretch of time and then show up when Yabuki was like, I need more girls to draw in their underwear or something like that. So they don't like persist throughout the series, but these two characters suck every time they show up is bad. It's one of those things where it's okay for the characters who are female to molest female characters, even though they're literally like grabbing onto girls' boobs and mm-hmm. squeezing them like every time that they show up. It's like, oh, but it's fine because they're girls. It's oh, very, God. it's very awful. <laughs> Number three, Nick. Oshizu? Who the fuck is this character? I read this series <laughs> in such large chunks, I forgot there was a ghost girl who, like, eventually had her own physical body. And then I just, I like, I was reading chapters like, who the fuck is this girl with magic powers? She, I don't know where she came from. I'm so confused. They make I- it... I, you're right. Like I, like I said, I completely forgot that she was important. I remembered her from my previous stream, but I thought that she would just like went away for large chunks of the story. I forgot she was Harna's actual best friend because I guess Yabuki and Saki realized we can't just have these two awful horny girls be Harna's friends because she can't have a serious conversation with either of them. Yeah. It's it's truly baffling. Uh, this character adds nothing. I think there was an entire plot with her, but it's, again, weird. I know I shouldn't judge it against stuff that came out afterwards, but I'm like, there's also, like, a ghost girl plot, and we never learn, and it's way more interesting. <laughs> and ghost girl's <laughs> not, like, a horny sex object, so I, I, I just appreciate it on a different level. Uh, she just sucks. Number two, Nick? Yami. I can't fucking stand Yami. I hate her so goddamn much. I get it. Yabuki, you thought Eve was a cool character, so you just put her in this one. It's (laughs) just, it's, you, can you try an ounce, like a gram, something? There's nothing to this character. She just is like, uh, I'm cold, stoic, badass character, but I hate perverts, but perversion happens to me. So then I do violence and it's just nothing. It she like so many chapters. That's her sole existence into the chapters for a character to show up and for her to be like, and then people move away. It's very obnoxious. Her character sucks. And I hate her so much more because it's just Eve's design 
for blue uh for black cat it's it's the same thing all the transformations she does are the same ones she used in black cat it's like come on <laughs> do like you had years man a new transformation besides pu- punch hair and slash hair I don't, I don't know what to tell you okay but number one nick the number one worst character in this series this should not be a surprise this character is an abomination and that is the principal from the, the principal. school. The principal <laughs> is the worst fucking character in this series. I hate him so much. He's so actively nauseating. His entire gimmick is he's uh, he's horny. He's horny for the, the, the students that he is overseeing as an instructor. He is supposed to be there to guide their educational future. And instead, he's just like, Ooh, a pretty girl. How about you rub your tits all over me? Ooh, hey, uh, one of my one of my female students. Check out the new pornography I just purchased. Like everything about him is awful. The his entire reason for existing is to be an out and out pervert who gets his comeuppance in the form of being beaten the shit out of. So then. When Rito accidentally is a pervert and doesn't suffer consequences for it in the long term, then it's okay. It's very dishonest. It feels it's awful. And, it, yeah, he's he never goes away. He is in this series. Yeah. There is no chapter that's meant to redeem him or like to try to add some level of humanity. He is just a horny little monster. And there's a chapter that starts. With Yui running into like a delinquent from the school, and she's like, you know, someone with like a big pompadour wearing like a jacket. She's like, hey, you can't be wearing those inside our school. Yep. That sets down the standards of our school. And he says the most correct thing ever. He looks at her. He's like, with the fucking principle we have, why the fuck do we care about standards? And Yui, uh, Yui's like, yeah, it's a point. He's got a point. But, but obviously, this isn't what Yabuki believes because then. Eve, uh, fuck, I was about to call her Eve. She is just Eve. Eve shows up and is like, don't bother trying to convince scum like that of your bit. I was like, he's right. Why Why do we care about bullshit when our principal is an active pervert? Stop him, please. This school has like six superheroes. Kill him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's a conclusion that I fully understand. Yes. I will say that I have a very strong soft spot for Yami. I like that she brings a very different dynamic than a lot of the girls in the series because she, you know, actually gets some very funny moments where she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Just that, you know, no, no, no bones about it. I'm going to kill you. Unfortunately, she never really bothers to try and actually kill Rito. She's just like, I'll kill you eventually. Oh, I'm going to next time almost like it's a bad plot Mm, (laughs) like it's like a dumb setup to their relationship uh and also i i I can't really blame yabuki for recycling her design because it's pretty good design it's it's (laughs) (laughs) but you you okay i don't know in my mind and this is maybe a different thing i'm not an artist i I don't understand quite the same level but and uh, just the idea that you're like didn't you do this like you created the story if she was a cameo i'd get it it's different but i don't know it's the same thing with like happy showing up in every in in the zero you're like and urza (laughs) yeah it's like didn't we do this like did we not get get, cover this like i don't know Uh, I want to wrap up our feelings on this. We're done. We're done. Uh, We're done. Yeah. 
it's not good. This is a bad series. This is absolutely worthy of Sadistic September. This was actively painful to read. I didn't post as many images on the Discord because so much of it's just like, oh, here's gross fan service of characters who are pretty young. I don't want to share that or anything like that. Um, there are still like very stupid moments all throughout it. Uh, it's like a thing with Yabuki, I guess. We eventually run into Rito's mom, and she's also like a weird pervert who fondles people immediately. Yes. I was like, huh, it's starting to make a lot more sense. Um, but like, that is the big point of comparison. Like, we read portions of Ayakashi Triangle, which we had like up and down feelings on. Like, a lot of time it was very horny and perverted and like uncomfortable to read, but there were moments every so often where we were like, oh, these characters are, like, kind of interesting. Suzu, in particular, like, oh, wow, this is actually, like, mm-hmm. a good character. Like, she's one of the better female characters in Jump right now. That is not the case in this series whatsoever. There are no, like, long-term characters worth redeeming. I don't know if it gets better with Darkness. I'm not touching Darkness. I, this is a heads-up into the future. I'm not looking at Darkness. I don't care. I'm sorry. I feel like I got the gist. Uh, Ayashi Triangle, as it so happens, concluded this past week. Uh, like it's it's done fully, and um, I haven't read the whole thing, but from what bits of it I have seen, characters like evolve and like learn, and mm-hmm. relationships change, and it's amazing how low a bar can be set when you see all that. It's like this is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, this series was no better and no worse than the first time that I read it a, a little over 10 years ago, honestly. It's just kind of there. Now, uh, to be clear, wasn't the reason you read it was because you were doing a video on like 10 yep. series I'm never going to talk about? Or my no, 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 no. Uh, I, I read it so that I could do a video about it specifically. Okay. Uh, I also, I think, um, helped to propagate in a potentially unsubstantiated rumor uh which is that the series ended because uh of something that was happening in yabuki's personal life which it i i did actually look up while i was reading it and apparently the the stuff that people kind of got that from was a matter of like gossip sites and that kind of thing so uh no one's actually 100 percent clear there's no official version of, I guess, of what happened. Uh, according to the creators themselves, what he was going through in his personal life did affect the end of the series in some form, though. Uh, and it was like, you know, like divorce and you know, child custody stuff. So, you know, pretty stressful, serious stuff. Uh, and I'm glad that he's doing a lot better now. Uh, you know, he's since he's since remarried. Uh, one of the most adorable things is that I, m- one of the most adorable memories I have of Ayakashi Triangle is that one author comment where he talks about his daughter reading the series and giving him feedback. Uh, and so happy for him that, you know, he kept on making his weird pervy stuff and that eventually got to a series that had some merit to it beyond just having lots of boobs in it. That That is the point I really want to, I guess, stress and end this on is like, I'm not trying to be like the worst prude 
I just, I, you need some kind of substance with it, right? Like, I enjoyed We Never Learned. That also had uncomfortable fan service that I do not stand behind. But I still kind of recommend this series because, like, it had good characters. Um, so, I, I, I don't know where the thought was going to end. I was about to be like, so read Ayakashi Triangle. And then I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't throw my support behind that one. But um, if you have to choose between the two, no, I'm not even going that far. <laughs> I really, I really want to like pull myself back a bit from this, but like I substance a little bit is, is greatly appreciated. All right. We do have a lot of manga to talk about. So I think we will call it there. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to say that it's bad. I Because, like, it's just empty. It's just, I don't care. So. Mm-hmm. But guys, we got to talk about My Hero Academia. It's chapter number 401, The Lunatic. Uh, last time. Is this when up. Dean Ambrose shows up, Nick? I was like, what's his theme song? And that was the that was the sound in my head it was like How did Xavier Woods song go on? leather jacket, leather jacket, jeans. That's a great way to remember it. Uh yeah, so um Alpha One is paralyzed. Stan is coming in to slash at him and uh well, he does. He's thinking to himself, "Ah, oh, you must, you must realize it, All Might. Why I dare to leave the shadows and expose myself? A hero can only claim that title as long as his soul burns fierce in the service of others. Certainly, he has the right to cling desperately to life." And All Might's like, "Yeah, I get it. Guy who's thinking to himself and not saying anything out loud is <laughs> going in to attack all for one as well. They're both going in, and Stain th- thinks to himself, "I am here because you must live." And then All for One activates one of his bullshit quirks. Bloodlet. Which causes all the blood in his body to burst out of him. Very so, convenient power to have yep, in this moment. Very, very odd. Uh, so that happens and yeah, All for One is like, I thought you might make some move on your own so I got this helpful quirk. And Stain's like, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still your blood even if it's outside your body. And All for One reaches out with like a hollow mouthing and snags uh, stain and says antigen swap i can overwrite my own blood type one of the secrets of my long rule was never leaving a trace of myself behind and draining my own blood has put some pep back in my step okay <laughs> yeah i mean i i Your guess pork doesn't work because i'm bullshit <laughs> It is very much specific, like, aha, my firmly established power from, like, 200 chapters ago has caught you. Now you are trapped. He's like, but what if in the many quirks I have that didn't get destroyed by Stars and Stripes, there's some that didn't get destroyed, had the perfect counter. A very, so specifically counters your ability, you'd almost wonder why I had these quirks to begin with. Ah, you've shot me with your force field piercing bullet. But what if I had a force field piercing bullet proof force field? (laughs) And to be Uh, sure you can't catch me in an area when I'm sleeping, I have my force field destroying bullet eating dog who runs around eating all those bullets. He's a good boy. (laughs) That would be the thing that gets me an all for one side. I'm like, he does love dogs. He does. <laughs> this dog particular, he's actually killed 
thousand dollar what? But he's so good to this boy. It's like fed it the leg of another dog, and you're still like, oh, what a good boy. <laughs> Survival of the finish, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you a good boy. Oh. Clearly, he's the best boy if he lived. <laughs> uh, so Stain gets fucked up. Uh, gets smashed into a game center. Uh, and, no, uh, Nick, he got he just <laughs> smashed into that gamenter. <laughs> gamenter. <laughs> when I read the chapter, I was like, "That's a joke I have to use on WM." I'm like, "Oh no, the gamenter." I don't know. Stain's not one of the men in My Hero Academia that I see a lot of people uh, wanting to see enter a gam. So, uh, mm. yeah. well, I'm sure that they exist. Anyhow. Uh, all for one's like, gonna steal your quirk uh, and kill you. Uh, and Stain's uh, like, it's didn't end. It's all part of the process, demon lord. I never benefited from higher education. It was you, all my, who taught me what a hero is. Live on. Triumph. My everything. My all. <laughs> um, and uh, he's dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> it would seem gets- so, yeah. And now all for one seemingly has it's not, quirk. I'm trying to think, does it, is it clear what he's doing? Like the idea he just has no. explosives on him and he pulls them? Or is this some power that he, like, uh, that's the part I was a little confused on. But yeah, I guess he just explodes himself with a grenade, he, in which case he should be dead. Yeah, he puts his hands together, which does seem to be like, well, I better make him not get my quirk. But they don't comment on that at all. So I don't know. Uh, but all for one wheels around on All Might, uh, goes to attack him. And Hercules, the the, the, the robot plane, uh, gets in the way. And All Might's like, oh, you were totally scrapped. And Hercules, it was alive this whole time, Quinn. One final shield, you must live. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the speech bubble gets cut off by the, the last to get to it. It's very cool. But it shields All Might, and he doesn't die. And instead, he... Gets a, a vision of of Nanashimura talking to him, saying, "You can do this. Your tale's still being written." And all might realize is, "Oh, I'm really fucked up. I'm hallucinating. This is this is just me trying to encourage myself." And then, fucking, <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. Oh, Night Eye. Yes, Sir Night Eye uh, shows up. And uh, says, well, you're all fucked up, aren't you, All Might? Your legs suck, your your support arms are gone, you can't fight anymore, but you're not dead yet. And uh, All Might is a, in a bloody heap, and he's just crawling along the ground, and he says, do your worst. And uh, All For One sees something far in the distance, and starts going towards Shigaraki. He's in the range to use his gloop quirk now. Gasp. Uh, I mean, there's cool stuff happening. I like the last shot because it does place into perspective all the things going on. We could see, like, the UA building thing. <laughs> I don't remember what it specifically was, but, like, the flying arena thing, you know, careening in the distance. You can see these mountains. It's a little tough to, like, fully make out because I'm like, he also has, like, his black goo stuff going on and there's a lot of mm-hmm. black in the image so i had a little trouble making things out but like it is like a cool moment i want to see what you know all might does here at this point he's <laughs> kind of on his last ropes but someone pointed out that he hasn't used everyone's quirks in 1a so maybe it's there's true. like what's left 
he, um, he did Todoroki. Did he do Bakugo? I believe he did do Bakugo. I think there was an explosion. Okay. Someone pointed it out, and I didn't like have the. I'd have to go interest. back and check because there's been there's been a lot of them that he's used at this point. It might just be just one left, for that matter. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what he's got left up his sleeve and how this kind of ends. This has been a very cool stretch, I think, for My Hero Academia. So I'm, I'm going to give it props. Yep. All right. All right Undead Nick, Unluck. Let's talk about number 176 of Undead Unluck. That's the whole reason. So we started a little flashback to the day that Rip first met Lotla and Layla. He's, you know, he's just a little kid. He's like, oh, I came from here. And Layla's like, oh, that's near the sea, isn't it? That's so cool. Wouldn't you be able to, you know, show me it? And little Rip's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to show you some spots. It's just like, hey, you just met her and you're already hitting on her? This is ridiculous. Also, she's too sick to travel that far. And Rip just goes, you'll come too, right, other girl? Other girl. Other girl, bitch. Uh, but he just notes that all three of us will go. It'll be, it's a promise. It'll be great. Cut to the present. Kind of off screen. Fuko has covered the majority of the conversation. <laughs> She's just kind of wrapping it up by being like, look, based off the junior's biology, the main body is probably also able to reproduce as fast. So that's exactly why Rip, Rip, hey, Rip, are you paying attention? And he's, he's just kind of like, ah, sorry. She's like, look, do you, do you want a break? I've kind of thrown a lot at you. He's like, no, it's fine. I get her in repair. I slice this thing up. That's that's what we have to do, right? And Fuko's like, yes, but this this UMA is very special. It's stronger than the others, and your current physical strength probably won't be enough to take this thing. You're going to have to use an artifact's power. But to do that, you'll need to amputate both of your legs. And Lotla's like, wait, what the fuck? You mean these aren't like little boots you could just put on? And Fuko's very clear. She's like, look, it's necessary to beat the UMA. It's the only way. And Rip just interrupts her. He's like, I can do it. It's fine. I've amputated limbs to save people before. So now it's my turn to go under the knife. But uh, you're going to you're gonna have someone else do that, right? Almost assuredly not, Nick. <laughs> but, but... <laughs> Oh, come on, Nick. What's cooler than a person doing their own surgery? Uh, uh, he asks, Someone doing a smart thing. <laughs> <laughs> he asks uh, Fuko, he's like, how long do we have till the next one shows up? And she says that Miss Lotless prediction says tomorrow. So he's like a moment of like, you know, kind of hanging his head, thinking, gets up and he's like, hey, do you mind if I stand, step out for a moment with Layla and Lotla? And Fuko's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll have my cell phone just in case anything happens. Uh, and Rip kind of ends the scene by apologizing for how he acted before. He's like, I could tell from a first glance that you're a good person. Cut to outside. Lotla has her bike with the little side pasture thing. They're loading Layla into it. A bunch of doctors are running out. They're like, what are you doing, doctor? She can't go out. What are you like? This is crazy. And he's, you just did open heart surgery on her. <laughs> he just says, my operations are second to none. Let's go. Trust me, I'm a, trust me, I'm a doctor. So are we. <laughs> uh, so they're driving off and they're driving off by the sea. And we literally get a moment with Layla and her eyes are sparkling. She's so excited. She gets to see the sea. Uh, and Layla just asks, she's like, why are we doing this, Rip? Don't tell me Layla's about to. And he interrupts her. He's like, no, it's not what you think. 
I just have a hunch that this might be the last time we'll ever get to do this. And, you know, the, the Layla is off into the, the water already. She's, she's, she's playing kind of at that point where the water starts hitting the sand. Uh, Rip just kind of like shouts out to like, don't go out to sea. And she's like, oh, okay, doctor. Uh, but he continues with a lot of the saying, like, I've always had a feeling that bit by bit, the three of us were going to end up changing. And a lot of like, yeah, of course we're going to change. Like we all grew up. And he's like, yeah, but I've been trying my best not to change. And we get this like two panel shot of like the three of them, Lala, uh, Lala, uh, Layla's in the, like kind of at the water, Rip's walking toward her and Lala standing back. And as Rip says this, that he's been trying not to change all this time, Layla and Rip suddenly become the, their kid versions of themselves that we saw earlier and they're marveling over a like a hermit crab and Lala's still an adult at this point she's she's kind of looking on as as rip's like yeah it hasn't been easy but i've i've been trying this whole time and Lala walks up and she's like rip and he's like hey what's up and she just puts a hermit crab in his face yeah. and like clomps his face he's like I, I love it because he almost swears he's like ow my fucking nose <laughs> he doesn't say he says my freaking nose but i really wanted that like that's the f-bomb for the series <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait 176 chapters to use it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot less saying all right let me tell you this i didn't try to end up this way either so if you're saying this is the last time we get to do this then i'll be along for the ride and now she's a kid as well and mm. We get to see them all as kids be very happy. And there's this long narration here from Rip, who's just like, yeah, we've always been together. And I thought that would always be the case. And we get this very sweet scene that I really appreciate, which is when they were kids in school, they were uh, all cast to do Cinderella together. And uh, Rip is Prince Charming, Layla Cinderella. And I assume Latla is the fairy godmother. I don't. She looks like she's a witch, but I was like, I don't, does. I don't remember a witch in that story, right? Um, but they're doing the part where Prince Charming puts the shoe on Cinderella and warms up, and Latla is just dutifully watching from the side. She kind of puts her hat down. Her role's done, but then Rip looks at the shoe and he's like, "Oh, maybe she'd like it," and she gets to put the shoe on. And I love it because so much of Latla's story has been her in the background supporting her sister and it's this this moment that shows that rip has never like really kind of taken her for granted that way he wants to include her as well it's very very sweet oh yeah he wants to have that threesome <laughs> wow it's far yeah. more it's far it's far more it's far more innocent and nice than that <laughs> oh okay if it's innocent then uh rip's narration continues it's like yeah lotla would always go overboard and i was always get beat and then Layla would come in and stop her and we'd come to a peaceful resolution. We laugh and laugh. And that's just how we've lived to this point. That's that's just how it goes. Uh, so all three of them are kind of resting on the beach afterwards. They were splashing. They were having their their fun little beach shenanigans. And Rip finally like kind of serious is up and he's like not going to get away with it. You know, whether they're the UMA or a god doesn't matter. I'm going to save everybody. That's why I became a doctor. So flash forward, I guess, a little bit. Fuko's calling Rip and it's like, hey, six on the move. And he just says, okay, I'm going to be there on, in five. Latla 
This is my final operation. Will it be a success? As he is riding, standing on the bike. It's very dangerous. No helmet. This is not a good standard for a doctor <laughs> to set. Uh, but he he's pulling up his pants like and marking off where his legs are going to be uh, amputated yep. from. Uh, so he just asks if it's going to be a success. And Lotla ends the chapter by saying, it'll succeed. I guarantee it. Yeah, it's a very nice, uh, just further character establishing chapter. I really like the dynamic that's on display between the three friends. And it's just very nice just to show off, like, look, these three have this very tight bond between them. And you really get the feeling like, look, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 just fills you with that confidence the way the rip is filled with it. Yeah. It's, it's good. Um, there's like a small problem. I know somebody in Discord pointed out specifically. Layla does have like kind of the sexy lamp problem to her, which is like if you just replaced her with like maybe not a sexy lamp, but like a whoopee lamp, <laughs> like a moderately right. attractive whoopee lamp, you'd, it wouldn't be that much different. She doesn't have a whole lot of like uh, narrative forefront of her own. So I do wish that was a little bit different, but I, I do appreciate that we got this chapter that's just like, let's touch on their relationship. Let's focus on it a little bit more. Even though we know these characters, like, let's move forward with this, essentially. Hmm. Let's let's get some more for them. Let's talk about Blue, 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 Blue Box. Blue Box. It's chapter 118, That Kind of Person. Uh, it's a Nayame chapter. Uh, and uh, we see that after the whole conversation she had with Kyo. Kyo, Kyo. She actually did follow through and was like, yeah, go cheer, cheer on Kyo. And like the entire team's like, oh, Taiki's going to have his match with Mochizuki soon. Let's go cheer him on. And he's like, and she's like, what about Kyo? We're going to cheer on him. His, his number got called. Like, I guess I guess we, we could go see Kyo. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, she's watched his match cheered him on and then you know we kind of like see things from her perspective for the end of the tournament after we saw things kind of skipped by from taiki's perspective uh they say like oh yeah yeah taiki you know got first place they bring up sajikawa uh and like another person from their school must have been the person that he that he faced in the finals but we didn't get to see that uh, so everyone congratulates Taiki, but Ayame seeks out Kyo. Uh, he's on the phone and saying like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be home soon. Uh, no, nah, I didn't win the whole thing. Uh, and his siblings are like, oh, you mean you lost? Boo. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I did my best. And Ayame from next to him has come up and says, yeah, your big brother was great. He did so he had cool smashes and his aim was good. And Kyo's like, I already hung up. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. She really is going whole, like, uh, f- full, full Ayamo see into this moment of like, yeah, your big brother was so cool and he was, he had the best serves and everyone thought he was super cool. He's like, I hung up. They, go, I, they never heard you at all. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, shut up. But, uh, Kyo thinks, you know, is is touched by this, and he and he actually shows an expression. He laughs a little bit. He's like, oh, he's human after all. This uh, this is actively a little painful for me because I'm like, these motherfuckers, they're just running it back. They're just gonna run it back again. <laughs> I'm just gonna follow another story of like a love triangle that may not end up requited. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
And uh, he says, oh, you know what? You made me feel better. Uh, so she's like, I was exaggerating a little. <laughs> you weren't that cool. <laughs> um, but uh, he says, you know what? It turns out that even if you lose, you can stay still have fun in these matches because you end up facing challenges that you couldn't figure out before. Uh, and you meet a whole new version of yourself as a result of that. And that leaves a little bit of an impact on Ayame as we skip forward again. Because, hey, it's Valentine's Day. And uh, so she's uh, making chocolate. She and Shinatsu are uh, at uh, Ayame and uh, Karen's uh, place. And I do love this big, re- this little reveal into Karen and Haru's relationship, which is Karen's like, I don't make chocolate. I, I, I don't do it. Kengo and I have an understanding. <laughs> I was, when he was like, isn't this a pain to make chocolate like this? Yes, it is. So I don't do it. And he doesn't expect me <laughs> it, to. <laughs> it, is, it is a wonderful moment of like, doesn't this kind of suck? Yes. Let's not do it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just swipe chocolate that our friends make instead. <laughs> um, Ayame wants to know who Chinatsu is giving hers to, because, of course, she still doesn't know about her relationship with Taiki. And uh, so Ayame's like, I mean, yeah, usually you're just like down watching TV with with sis. So who are you making them for? And she says, well, the guy I like. And so Ayame is a little bit struck by that. And she's trying to figure out, like, who is it? <laughs> It's not him. It's not him. Oh, uh, I bet the person you like works really hard at his club activities. Uh, and uh, she brings up the tournament that she attended the other day. And she says, you know, wanting to win and hating to lose. I kind of can imagine that feeling. But it's to say it's fun to find out what you have to work on is a foreign concept to me. I wonder if people who are committed to hard work would like and attract that kind of person, too. And... uh. So, someone's thinking about Hina in that moment, and I'm guessing it's Ayame. It's kind of hard to tell, though. Um, but Shinatsu's looking at Ayame like, huh, what you talking about uh, for a minute? And, it's weird, because uh, it, it, it seems like it would be Shinatsu, based yeah. on who's looking, but I was like, I don't think Shinatsu was at that moment. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure. Uh, Karen's like, oh, I guess that means that the guy you like is that kind of person. She's like, I don't like him. I don't like any guy. No, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chinatsu says, yeah, the guy that I like is actually the kind of person you say. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I like you too, Ayame, because you're cheerful, you're energetic, you know what you want. Uh, even though you're younger than me, you know how to look after others and you're good at cooking and you're girlish. And I'm just sitting there like, yes, keep complimenting me. Yes, yes, keep on saying nice things about me. Uh, but she says, you know, all the, the, the stuff about you being dedicated to sports, I don't know if that's going to be the end-all be-all, but it's important to be positive about it. And I think the people who live for themselves are attracted to others like them. And I'm just like, oh, she's a big, big girly, happy moment uh, for her. They make the chocolates uh, and uh, Chinatsu takes some of them home. And uh, afterwards, Karen and Ayame are left it on their own. And, and Karen says, let me have your leftovers. You just mooch that. No. Take that. <laughs> uh, but Ayame looks at the chocolate she's made and she's like, it's not like I like him. Plus, he probably. And of course, she's thinking about uh, Hina. Thinking like, oh, clearly he likes Hina. 
so that makes her feel away. And she just kind of like has images going through her head as she deals she with being she, a teenager. She can't stop thinking about the boy she has a crush on. It's so adorable. Like, I love it. She gets to the point she just screams. <laughs> uh, so she's like, fine, I can give him chocolate. It, it'll be fine. And if he doesn't like Lee, then fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it just keeps like showing her sister who's just like kind of Except she's like, oh my god, this is why I don't do Valentine's chocolates. This is so much of a goddamn headache. Uh, so she now she gets back home to the Inamata household, uh, leaves the bag that she's got outside of her room, goes to the bathroom. Taiki gets a little look inside the bag, sees the chocolates, and he's like, all right, Valentine's Day. Oh, I'm going to get chocolates from Shinatsu-senpai. Don't count your eggs before they hatch, Taiki. How brutal. It's It would be so in line with everything, too, if she's like, I give one to you, and one to you, and one to you, and then she gets Taiki. He's like, and one for you? And she, but maybe she gives him, like, a coy wink afterwards, like, just, like, not actively treating him specially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, no, it's, I, I think it's extremely cute seeing this relationship with Ayame and Haru, uh, Kyo like uh blend together like start to actually like move forward i kind of like noted a while back that they were like shipping them they were starting to like tease it now it's like on the full end like all right here it is it's very cute it's like a little silly but it's 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 very adorable yep all right now let's Pull the lever and go in the opposite <laughs> direction. Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Chapter 144. Guns, nails, katana. That's actually the new uh, version of Paper Rock Scissors, Nick. <laughs> uh, this is gun. Uh, this is this, this is nail. She's like hammering your nail, and then this is katana. It's not paper. You had to put your fa- hand like in that, like it's, just, and you had to hold it sideways, so it's like a sword. Is it a like a is it like a triangle? So like you know like nails jam guns guns beat katana, or is it like no guns beat both of them because they're clearly the superior uh-huh. way? Actually, all of them beat each other. <laughs> it's it's an awful game. Everyone, it's like it's a constant tie. You play by making the hand symbol, and then you and your opponent just start punching each other. Yeah, then you just start fist fighting each other. Uh, but you have to make the sound that your weapon makes while you're doing it. <laughs> pew pew! Slash slash! Nail! Nail! <laughs> Nail! Uh, so, yeah, all the members of the Chainsaw Man Church have just been given guns. And they're like, why, why do we have all these guns? And the crazy leader of the church says, These guns are weapons of light bestowed upon us by Chainsaw Man. With his light, we will drive away the darkness within the government. And everyone starts saying, Yeah, Chainsaw Man rules. And outside, the police are like, All right, send in the special agents. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny because we know what's happening. But yeah, you do get the great juxtaposition of everyone in the church being like, Yeah, this rules. We've got guns, and uh, coming through the window is the nail devil, I guess. It's a devil with an exposed brain with a bunch of nails sticking out of it. It's weird, because when I first saw this character, I was like, the Halloween devil is back. But it's not the Halloween devil. It's not. It's someone else. 
Oh my goodness, what's this then? Why they're almost only Muppets! Yeah. Oh. yeah, once they say Muppets, you're like, alright, so this character's a little British. A little bit British. Uh, so immediately they storm in, start kicking people aside, and then very rapidly firing out nails with their twin hammers. I'm not sure exactly what the physics are for this, if they're shooting them, if they're actually hitting them with the hammers or what. Uh, but they very kindly spare all of the all the students who are just, you know, idiot kids caught up in all of this cult nonsense. So just their clothes are pinned to the wall so they can't move. Uh, and the na nail devil guy says, All the precious signs of innocent children are meant for studying. Don't put guns into them. And there's and, a moment uh, where you're like, I love the nail devil. They're so cool. This is a great thing. Kids don't need guns. Kids... Kids need studying and whatnot, and ice cream That's cones, and all sorts of, you know, whatever kid bullshit there is. It turns to one of them and says, Oh, use your hands to only owe mechanical pencils, not guns, I. The guy says, uh, Yeah, sure. Oh, speak more politely! Bashes the kid's brains out immediately, kills him. <laughs> I'm like, All right, maybe I'm not as big of a fan of the nail devil. <laughs> nail devil might be a little unhinged, makes sense. Half their brains exposed. Full <laughs> of nails. <laughs> uh the cult leader church head guy goes ah the devil exterminators sell their souls to devils i'm not like them i'll become a devil myself this is so much better uh turns out he is bonded with the justice devil yep the justice devil's back fuck justice what an asshole uh turns into hideous monstrosity goes to attack the nail devil uh goes to swing up a leg? Yes, that's their that's their leg. Okay, yeah. I was confused because they also have a leg tail. Uh, and so the, the Justice Devil guy says, Now face the justice of the Chainsaw Man Church! And out of the shadows, a figure says, Justice! And cuts the leg off. And appearing is the Katana Man! He's back! And looking about as cool as he's looked in over a hundred chapters, honestly. <laughs> Just cuts through the justice devil and says there is no such thing as justice with chainsaw man it's a cool entrance a wild chapter nick so many things are happening so many events are going on the katana devil's back we get quan chi come back it's really really looking like all the devil all the the weapon devils are back uh which brings hope to everyone who's like red say is gonna show up any day now Bomb devil. I am so terrified of her returning because I really like the relationship that Denji and Asa have. And I'm so worried what happens when Reze comes back. Right. I don't know if the, they'll have the same memories or what, but like Denji should know who she is. So I, I don't know. Yes. We'll see. Yeah. Nothing's confirmed yet. She might just be the one who's actually dead dead. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it does it does seem that uh, they're all they're all coming back one by one into the story. Yeah, and speaking of coming back into the story one by one, Quinn, it's time to talk about Eden Zero. Everyone's favorite series, Nick, Eden Zero, talking about chapter two fifty seven Leonard. Now Nick, Leonard. do you remember not long ago we were dealing with not the planet Lendard? And I, oh, yeah. uh, I, I joked, I was like, yeah, we're going to the planet Leonard, because the name was very similar. 
This is bad writing. Why would you give two things in your series such similar stupid names that they're unrelated? <laughs> Leonard's like know. a real name. That's not like an insult to any real Leonard's out there. This is more a fact of Lendard was a very dumb thing to name a planet because it's very close to an actual name. It's just and then not, you it's just use not good branding. Name. Yeah. It's like when you have the Titans working at the same time as the Teen Titans. Why would you do that? Call one of them something different. Yeah, there's so many words. There's so many. So many words. There's so, so we open with Pino. She's uh, she's asleep. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? There's nothing wrong with their systems. She's not out of ether. We, they don't really know what's going on. They're trying to figure it out. Uh, but before they can do anything, boom, bunch of alerts start going off. They're like, holy shit, is this the Eden's one? And they're like, oh no, that's and we get a two-page spread, Nick, because this is very important of the dragons, Nick. Now remember the dragons? I do remember the dragons. Yes. What are your details that you remember about the dragons? They were dragons. Uh-huh. That's all we really know about them. They're back. It's terrifying. <laughs> oh my god. It's God Acnoa Nacnoella. She's here. She's bad. She's one of the Orishion Six or whatever. Like, Literally, Holy. God God Actuella showed up, and I was like, oh, this will be easy then. <laughs> yeah. We kind of watched her get her shit pushed in before, but there was a whole space fleet that time, Nick. Now it's just one ship. What are they going to do? Uh, Hermit's like, how could they possibly have gotten to this cosmos? She couldn't have. I put up so many layers of defense. We cut over to God Actuella, who's saying this, I guess, as if in response. I don't know if she heard them. She just says, never underestimate a dragon's sense of smell. Nick, so many dumb things happen in this series. So many. I don't know why this is the one that pissed me off the most this week. What does that mean? First and foremost, uh, are these robots? Are they real? Are robots with... Why do they have a sense of smell? Do yes. they? I don't know what these dragons are. Yes. Yes. Um, they're, they're robots and they're dragons. So yes, yes clearly they have a sense of smell. Two. There's many things. Like, I don't want to sit here and argue the space stuff. Like, how can you smell something in space? It's not how space... But it is like a thing where you're like, I mean, come on. There's <laughs> a little bit of what are you doing here? Uh, three, stop trying to add details to these dragons. They suck. There's nothing to them. You had your chance, Hero, to to build oh, your world. Come on. come on, Quinn. These dragons are responsible for hundreds of deaths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a galactic planetary battle. Dozens may have been killed. Uh, it's really, I think just annoying to me because hero has just so adamantly refused to ever put any lore into these dragons he's just like they're dragons isn't that enough um so i don't know it annoyed me the dragons are attacking eden's one now we have so little time uh eden zero fires a bunch of missiles they're like oh my god didn't work on any of the dragons in a moment that is very funny to me hermit's like i forgot <laughs> The dragons can only be damaged by anti-dragon weapons. It can only be damaged by anti-dragon weapons. <laughs> We've specifically got the hatch in the control panel that says, in case of dragon attack, break glass. And I forgot that we had to do that. I, I want to blame her because it feels like a big thing to forget. But I also forgot that the dragons can only be damaged by anti-dragon weapons. I don't know. It feels like if you're in a world and you're like, well, I've got these Draymond destroyers on my arms and then you come across a Draymond type Digimon, you would think, well, I've got these Draymond destroyers. 
it was a whole plot point before though they had to like recalibrate all their things so they need people to hold off until they could get their calibrations just right which is what they need to do here it's not they don't have they don't not have the information they just need to like reprogram all their weapons so everyone else is going to get in their ships and try to give them some time uh ships are or dra- dragons are crashing into the ships and all that sort of stuff uh a witch is like, oh, this is bad. So many dragons are attacking us. And, and Valkyrie's just like, we just have to beat Aknamelova, right? Like, I'll handle this. Shoots herself out in space. She's just, she's going to go handle this. She's heading right towards Aknamelova. Brigadine shows up. Oh, Nick. They, they love each other. Oh, my gosh. Right? Okay. Uh, in a moment of good character design question mark uh brigadine has uh little palm trees now on his pauldrons to uh better represent his past life two thousand years ago or something like that it's something mm-hmm. i don't know if it's anything good but it is something he's uh, also got just uh, he's also got uh written in very small prints on one of the armor plates uh valkyrie and i used to be romantically involved yeah. in our past life but neither of us have any memory of this is it goes all the way around the entire piece, piece of armor is my point yeah so. Uh, unfortunately, he did it while he was looking in a mirror, so it's all backwards, so that's why he doesn't know what it says. Um, he's like, hey, I'm Brigadine of the Four Dark Stars. I'm the upgraded version of you. Uh, they fight. He, like, headbutts her and then kicks her. And then I think he air slashes her. It is very difficult yeah. to tell. He does something. And then Valkyrie goes, he just dot, dot, dot. And I don't yeah. know what that is implication is meant to be. Right um he's like all right we're gonna fight now uh rebecca's like holy shit the four dark stars that means the eden's one is so far behind we're gonna have to do this oh no suddenly someone's hijacking all of our ship um this confused me at first because i assumed this was immediately supposed to lead into brain the hacker member of the eden's four uh but that is not the case in fact the intruder who is causing all of the system shutdowns is locked it it wasn't brain it was killer killer sorry yeah um locking all the doors the person doing that is is uh fuck what's his name wizard <laughs> wizard uh wizard and he shows up right behind witch and he's like which regret i assume which i'm sure we know what her name is i haven't heard it in a while it's very dumb hearing it uh which regret yeah it's very uh star- this regret <laughs> it, it's very a uh, star ocean when there was a character whose name was like edge maverick <laughs> uh which is like, who are you? Wizard's like, I will destroy you. 20,000 years ago flashback. Um, I don't know what to call him. We're just going to call him Brigadine. Brigadine's talking to Valkyrie. He's like, oh, wait, was that regret on the phone? Which is like a funny fear phrase. It really is. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, she's visiting Ivory in the hospital. I hope she gets well soon. And she's looking at a, a picture on her phone. Brigadine asks, like, oh, wait, who's that guy? And it's wiz- it's Wizard. Uh, but she says, oh, that's Leonard regrets fiance bum 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 now nick i'm gonna need you to go back your jaw did not drop to the floor just like this is uh, clearly meant to imply uh the idea that these two characters already previously established to have a reported relationship in a past life were actually uh, engaged this is wild it's it's upturned everything i thought yeah, they were engaged, uh, just like I wasn't with this chapter. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 
yeah. Can we just move on? Uh, I feel like we've spent enough time talking about this. It feels like nothing happened in this chapter. Yeah, it is a pretty bad one. It's a great joke to end it on. Let's talk about Cypher Academy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the way that this chapter of Cypher Academy, chapter 41, walk three steps back and be careful not to step on the shadows of those who died in war. <laughs> First off, love that title. Great title. <laughs> Second of all, the way that this chapter opens is Iroha is walking towards one of the two meetings that he was invited to. And he says to himself, Ambitious Yunaki Guisu, which honestly, that's all you need to say. Just that name. But he says, they they're the one who taught me about the true essence of cheerleading. I'm just going to put that, put a frame on that quote right there. <laughs> they taught me the true essence of cheerleading. When we got captured by raiders during our trip, I wasn't saved by the police or even my parents, but my captain. I'd do anything to see them again. And yet I chose to come here instead. This intel had better be good, Riku Keito-san. This is such a great opening to, to this chapter. Just really makes, just, it's so over the top, but it's like, yeah. This is like press home. Like this, Iroha did actually really care about this decision he was making, and it ate him up to have to make this choice. But this is the most important thing for him right now: is learning about about that flag dancer that he's been trying to figure out for it, a long time. It is a very cool moment. I was like, "Shit, Iroha fucking uh, slaps this chapter." So they're on a soccer uh, in a soccer stadium during this. So they have... I want to see just as a, I want to see them do code soccer so goddamn bad right oh, now. Man. I feel like I, I, I feel like we're not going to get there. This is like a world establishing shot. But God, I want to see what code soccer would be. There is a lot of just they're playing soccer while talking. And there's a two page spread of them having this really intense exchange. It's nuts <laughs> it so has cool. nothing to do with what they're talking about but it's great uh but yeah so riku keto says that they're going to reveal the whereabouts of the battlefield dancer and uh, said like look i needed to make sure you were serious about this and uh during one of their exchanges riku keto leans in to iroha and says japan and while they're swiping the ball away from iroha says that's where the battlefield dancer is dancing you're thinking there's no way right that's the reason why those encrypted videos are being uploaded from Japan. <gasps> uh, and she kicks a goal and says, you can also say the fact that they're being uploaded from our own country is the reason why the information scrambling class was able to learn to unearth the truth. We aren't clear what organization the ringleader belongs to, but I wouldn't want to get close to them. They're someone who came up with this idea as a way to potentially turn Japan into a powder house. So... Iroha has a moment to just think. He lowers his head and closes his eyes and he thinks, how can I save the dancer? But Riku Keita says, like, look, that dancer was a beginner's tutorial that Kagoe randomly picked out of various tragedies. What an asshole, you know? <laughs> but um, it's a high-risk issue that Kagoi probably wouldn't have suggested to you if she'd understood the truth from the beginning, yet you're still here hung up on it. Why? Uh, and Iroha like, kind of changes the talk. He's like, where is Kagoi? I thought we were going to have this discussion together. And Riku Keito says, just answer my question. I understand your sympathy because you're a former dancer yourself. And also, you know, like a human. But uh, 
but you should know when to retreat. It's not too late. Why not go see the person that you owe your life to? And Iroha paused for a second, then he makes this like fake, fake smiley face and says, oh, I wanted to help someone like you help me, but it didn't turn out how I thought it would, so I backed out. And then he gets serious again and says, Such a how, could I say, how could I say something like that to the person I owe my life to? That's harder for me to understand than any sort of code. So, so extra. He's um, so cool. Yeah. So Rico Cage is like, oh, do you like want to surprise them by proving yourself before you meet up again? And Nero's like, yeah, if I, if I see my captain again, it'll be after I've saved the dancer. I want it to be after I've achieved my dream. My dream of stopping all the wars in the world. <laughs> Two-page pose! <laughs> Everyone fucking uh, going off, looking very cool. Uh, I'm trying to comprehend what this pose would be in-universe. What's it for? Yeah, yeah, like, why are they all sitting like this and hanging out in this particular pose? Uh, who cares, I guess. Uh, there's a couple of things to note about this. First off, uh, some of the characters that were being discussed as joining the group that we had not really gotten to know before are part of this. Uh, Obero uh, has joined up with them. Ensa has still got her overly long sleeves. Thank goodness, an identifying feature. Uh-huh. <laughs> and lastly, one of the <laughs> spies from Class E is just also part of the group pose. Is that the uh, the table girl? Yes, she's okay. <laughs> also there, acting like she's part of it. And then Miroho's sponsor's like, why is she part of- Why is she here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tochisai says, ah, let me explain, Irozaka. <laughs> she says, we weren't able to forge an alliance with Class E during the Great Wide Leader battle, and I intend to take responsibility for that as far as this cyber brain battle is concerned. So we have exchanged hostages. So Yuka is off with Class E. That's why she was there in the last chapter. And she says, and then and when then and we've got uh, the the mole from Class E over here on our end. Uh, and that's kind of the foundation of our alliance now, so that we can work towards that. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, but. Uh, so Iroh's like, all right, I mean, are you okay with that, though? With, like, your friend, you know, like, being separated from you and all that stuff? But Toshisai says, Yukiko decided it on her own without ever coming to me. Her independence has shocked me beyond words. She turns away and makes a face that is probably a little bit too neutral, honestly. It's like, no one can see it, so I don't know why we're <laughs> zooming in on her very neutral-looking face. Uh, but uh, and Iroh even says, like, you're turning your back to me as if you don't want me to see your expression. But uh, anyway, they get distracted from that. Oberos gets his attention like, hey, like, oh, you don't get it. And uh, uh, She says that she has joined the group so that she can surpass Iroha uh, and uh, that she'd always intended to go on this whole mission thing. Uh, and uh, she also calls out Ensa a little bit for, uh, you know, taking so long before joining up she says like oh i always intended to go but i didn't want to do it before a certain someone declared themselves that would have been you know like improper basically uh and uh, ensa says as well that uh, anonymity son uh still isn't coming but she handed over this strange note uh and it's a some old kanji thing that basically just says yeah see you later so not coming on the mission yeah. Uh, 
And uh, so it's going to be the nine of them that are currently gathered. They're going to be going on this mission and the, all of them walk off. Uh, they're all wearing some of the glasses while Iroha declares ice cold reading. It's a big group shot of everyone looking cool while wearing glasses. It's it's so funny because it's like, yeah, badass ice cold reading. And uh, the, the establishing in this series is glasses. So yeah, everyone just has little glasses on. And it's, I don't know why it's very funny to me. And Noboro, I guess, is too cool to join in on this because she's just got the glasses up on her forehead and yeah. doesn't have them on. <laughs> uh, and before we close the chapter, we get kind of a, we get a conclusion to the conversation that we had cut away from between Iroha and Riku Keto, where she revealed there is a way to save the battlefield dancer that ties directly to the reason why I didn't call Kagoe here. Those dance videos were military orders. If the original Civil War were to end, there would be no need for them to go on dancing, just like how weapons of war would no longer be necessary if all wars ended. If you acquire the 50 billion morgue within the metaverse and make your dream come true, not just the dancer, all Cypher soldiers will be freed, including us. Very cool. Uh, there's uh, so much going on in this chapter. It's all very dorky, but it's all very cool. I I really think Aroha stood out as like a super cool character in this chapter. Everyone's doing their weird, goofy little poses, and I love it. I like that we get the, the weird table girl as part of the team. Uh, I don't know. Just having fun with it. It's good times. Yeah, I really like this chapter. It was a lot of fun. All right, Nick, we got to talk about Kagurabachi. I mean, I know the world's been talking about it. You know, it's uh, he's Kagurabachi now. He botched all over those guys, all that sort of stuff. But yeah. now we have that there are two cents in. Yeah, we're going to talk heaps about chapter two. Heaps. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the aftermath of the fight where they, you know, beat up all of the, the, the Yakuza guys um, and uh, the mutton chop guy. Uh, is still not giving them any information about the Hishaku, the, the wizard guys. And there's a weird moment where uh, they, our two heroes are like talking and there's like a double act between them where Mr. Shin just kind of repeats everything that's being said. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's silly, Nick. Mutton Chop Guy eventually <laughs> agrees to give them some information and uh, he explodes uh, and blood and organs just burst out of him. It's uh, some sort of... Uh, thing that was uh put in him to prevent him from leaking out information as a failsafe uh, by the hishaku presumably uh was revealed that uh mr mr adult guy can teleport basically but uh chihiro's fine he didn't get hurt even though that uh that organs explode out of the guy and they're like all right well we better go back to tokyo uh chihiro's a little bit exhausted from the fighting that they did uh and we are told, oh, he hasn't unlocked the Enchanted Blade's real potential yet. Of course not. Chapter 2. Of course he hasn't. Uh, we get a flashback that just tells us how Chihiro's dad died, which, I mean, okay. I, I, I kind of got like the general idea for what happens in this chapter previously, and I feel like when it was left to my imagination, it was more effective. Why they attack? Because he had six special swords that they took, but the seventh and strongest is in Chihiro's possession instead. And so Chihiro needs to stop them all from having the swords because they're bad people, and he vows to cut all of them down. 
Uh, there is one cool little bit where like his memories of time with his dad are envisioned with the two of them inside the fishbowl. And of course, as a result of the house collapsing and being destroyed, the fish are dead because the bowl is shattered. Oh, very sad. Those poor fish. Also, Chihiro's dead. But the fish. <laughs> That's the true tragedy. Yeah, they were innocents, obviously. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so Chihiro's got the seven sword. He needs to find the enchanted blades there in Tokyo. Uh, end of chapter. Now, you moved through it kind of quickly. Uh, a little I, bit. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more positive in that I am a simple fool. And I was like, six enchanted blades, you say? Perhaps they're all distinctly unique from each other, and it's kind of video gamey, and that he must collect them all? Yes, I'm invested now. You've created a good plot. As if they're to- all just... If they're all just swords, I'll be really upset. <laughs> well, they're especially spe- like sword. Well, they have magic. If you're saying like, oh, right. if they're not like maybe like once a like a, a naginata or something like that or one of those things. Um, I don't know. Like, it, this isn't good. <laughs> I still have this enormous problem with like the friend. I don't know who this guy is. He's just very silly. And I, as as a result, I just find him obnoxious in a way. I just don't really vibe with the sense of humor exactly. Uh, but I think that that like having a, a plot direction at this point is a good thing. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing for the series because you're like seven shit. And uh, you can run into a guy with two and you're <laughs> you're halfway through this thing. <laughs> if sales numbers aren't so great. Um, but. I, I was like, all right, I, there's something for me to like, hook my my simple lizard brain onto, and I think um, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple enough premise to get behind. My dad made the things, Some guys killed him and took it. I want to get him back. It's very straightforward. So yeah, it's easy to understand what's going on, and then you can get into the action scenes, which this chapter didn't have any of, so it didn't get to see what I thought was the highlight of the first chapter, which yeah. was a pretty well done fight scene. Uh, so this is what it is, you know, so the shonen dark action adventure thing. It's very true. Now, Nick, let's talk about a series that has nowhere to go. Uh, but up, of course, mama, you, you, uh, mama, 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 you, was that, uh, mama, you, you, mama, you, <laughs> I don't know. We're just gonna try. I'm just trying to get the Mama you you. Here we go again. <laughs> the good ones going. Ma, uh, kiss kiss you you. Oh, so, <laughs> uh, number three, the faucet and the baby bird. Uh, oh no, you's been hit and she's got her arm off and she's gonna die and 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 uh, a monster showed up and uh, yeah. Uh oh. And um, it's a monster here. It's uh, really one of my favorite things when you can tell just from Nick's voice just, how just little interested, just, how much disdain there is deeply <laughs> baked into it. it. It's the disdain for the the amount of time I'm spending reading it because we're not getting anything from it. Uh, but a guy shows up, a demon, a demon soldier, and starts cutting up, and he immediately uh, you know, just says to to hero guy oh status and he's like what are you and status just takes control of the situation and uh, you know so he's immediately like ah oh, so, well he's she's mama ma's hurts and and establishes the situation 
Uh, and he says, all right, keep behind me, getting inside and draw its attention. There's nothing more tedious than taking a winding path, says the manga that's taking a winding path. But there's nothing more foolish than marching in a straight line. And uh, he kills the demon thing and uh-huh. slashes it into, into, into little cubes. Uh, hero guy, uh, the de- demon guy turns to him and is like, who are you? He's like, I'm Corleo. Ah, Corleo. I've got to get you, you, you to the hospital. I got to talk about something with you. So head off, cut ahead to you, you waking up. Uh, the demon guy is, uh, is still there. You're introduced to him properly. His name is Pinello. He is a demon lord army commander. And it- but we don't know if he's ever dated before. See, no, he don't. set that up that we we're going to learn how yeah. characters have dated. But now I don't know. That I would didn't... actually be a charming thing to keep consistently, wouldn't uh, it? I I don't know if Pinello fucks, and I don't know if I can sleep without yeah. that knowledge. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh. Yeah. Yu Yu is like, "Where is Corleo?" And Corleo uh, comes back in, and uh, Pinello is like, "All right." Uh. The reason I actually rushed over was to call Corleo to Central Army headquarters. Uh. First, because we need to add to our forces. Uh, because there's been abnormalities uh, since the previous incident. And uh, currently there is a bunch of eyewitness accounts of demon kings and heroes from other worlds showing up. Okay, uh, so will you come with us into battle? And uh, did they go and sit outside to talk some more? They go sit in the hallway and talk about stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, they say like, oh, we, they couldn't save you, you hand. Oh, I'm sorry, if only I'd been there sooner. Okay, and Corleo's like, I'm glad that people are calling me hero, but I tried to run away when the monster showed up. And Penella's like, listen, you're in a tough spot and you had to take action. The answer to your problem was simple. Defeat the monster and take Lady Mama to the hospital. That's it. And I'm sure that that crossed your mind, but I don't think I need to tell you why you couldn't do it. The act of protecting requires a fair share of strength. So perhaps that's why. And he says, like, like you can, you can join us if you want. No one's going to force you to do it. And I have to admit that of all the characters we've met, this guy is easily the most likable because he says things that make sense uh-huh. <laughs> instantly. So Corleo goes in and talks to, to Mama Ma about it. Uh, and uh, Mama Ma says, uh, he spoke like a jerk. And involved in this in his drama like a jerk, and Amanda, you get stronger. Like a jerk. And uh, then she tries to say, like, of course, the arm, I punched him with his gun now. Guess you reap what you sow. And Corleo's like, it's not funny! All right. I mean, I was on my way to kind of liking her a little bit, but sure, <laughs> you shut that down. Cool. <laughs> so, Corleo, uh, Corleo starts to say that he might be going to Central to join the army guys. And Mama says, like, hold on, before you say anything, shut up and listen. Hello, 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 and I were romantically involved. No one besides us knows this. I mean, everyone kind of thought about it when you said you were bonded to the pre. Anyway, uh, so Corleo, in a moment of supreme maturity, says, ew, gross. Hey, mama, shut up! Because, like, this... 
the amount of whiplash that there is in this conversation in these two pages. Hey, I punched that guy, but my arms were sick. That's not funny. You're right. I'm go, sad. I'm sad. Oh, before you say anything, I love how not romantically involved. Ew, gross. Shut up. All right. All right. So uh, she says, like, we started up a neutral army. The army turned into the Demon Hero Coalition, settled into its current form. There was a backlash. The demons were resistant. Hela Hela sacrificed himself to show his desire for coexistence, and he died. I took an orphan found to be the hero. You. And it's been 18 years since then. I was devastated after Hela Hela died. I felt that void starting to heal as I spent time with you, and I would see Hela Hela in you more and more. You're his mom. Stop saying things like this. Uh, and Well, if, so she's, I, if she's looking at it as like a father and a child, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I see... I see this person who I, I love and respected so much more in you every day. This person who I look at as a child. I get it. Quinn, she's his mom that isn't related to him by blood. That's I don't hot. need any That's nebulous hot. language coming into this situation. It's hot, Nick. <laughs> Not related to him by blood? That's hot. Uh, so she says, like, look, I wanted to just keep you out of danger no matter what. And but your will, your dreams and aspirations, all your choices. I was the one who kept those things restrained, even though you had your eyes set on that path. And Corleo paused for a minute and is like, look, I want to get stronger. Nick, and, we, we didn't even yep. mention that uh, he says, I want to get stronger. And right before that, it's a scene of a baby bird getting fed and getting stronger. He's the baby bird getting stronger, Nick. Yeah, look at our great hero, this baby bird. Don't <laughs> you want to follow that baby bird and all of his adventures as he's a pathetic thing that needs to be fed mouth to mouth by its parent? But it's not blood-related parent. It's hot. Oh, so hot. <laughs> So yeah, Corleo goes off and join up and goes to Pinello and, and Pinello says, tell me, son, who are you? The hero, sir! Let me get the title page. Mama Yu Yeah, demons. the turbulent era. The, wor- the world's moving into the new era. The era of Mama Yu Yu. Demons and heroes. Well, it's good. We don't have to talk about where they're going to add it. The series just ended. That was, that was its closing. <laughs> it wrapped itself up. I mean, it was a short story, but you know, sometimes those can be appreciated. This is a weird thing because, like, in some ways, this is the strongest chapter of this series so far. But at the same time, everything that doesn't have to do with Pinello just reinforces how little I want to read this book. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I had the opposite. This was by far the most boring chapter of this manga. I was like, I I get that you have, like, a character in here who's, like, uh, a big deal, like the general. But I'm like... It feels like the other characters should be bigger deals, so I'm like not actually that impressed by him. I just like him because he does things. It doesn't like mm-hmm. you know he has like something going on. Uh, but yeah, like we just got more of Corleo's personality, which is like, oh, actually, you're kind of whiny and annoying in a way. I'm not like a huge big fan of real um, buzzkill. <laughs> the premise is like, oh, hey, you know that thing we did in the first chapter? Actually, that can happen over and over again. Heroes and demon yep. lords will be all over. I'm like, yeah, I, we did that though, so I'm not as interested. Yeah, I was more interested. We wrapped the entire thing up in the first chapter. <laughs> yeah, I was I was more invested at like, oh, monsters are crossing over and now this world is going to have to deal with turbulence again. How are you going to handle it or whatever? Uh, yeah, just I didn't find anything particularly interesting at the end of this. Uh, it wraps itself up uh, in a way that like makes me emotionally feel very good about being like, yeah, I'm not going to add this to the recap. <laughs> like, I saw this. I got it. 
Yeah, so there you go, guys. It's entirely Quinn's decision that we're not reading this series. But that's why I have a veto in the bank right here. <laughs> I would be so upset. I, I got this one from, uh, if I read enough books, Pizza Hut gave me one over the summer. Uh, I just read Garfield books and took Garfield off of the list when I handed it to them and just put Jay Davis. They're like, wow, this little girl read 78 books this summer. Uh, let's see here large and in charge <laughs> throwing his weight around tipping the scales <laughs> oh god new sex That's, that is to be clear very legitimately what i did as a child to win the pizza hut bucket challenges <laughs> new sex assists hey there's actually this is actually a pretty cool color page i actually like uh-huh. how this looks chapter 19 counter tactics against new way of course, uh, Shiroha's master showed up to uh, take her because her family demanded it. There's a flashback to like how this happened. Like, all right, uh, he gets like info on Newe. That's all. Anyway, he's broken through the barrier, goes in. Newe comes out, goes out to confront him, and they we establish he establishes like you know where he's who they establish who he is. Uh, uh, Shiroha's uh, partner does it and talks about him and how strong he is and stuff like that. Uh, and Gakuro is even worried, like, oh, is he someone who could win against Niue? Uh And they're like, yeah, well, I mean, from the data that we've considered, they're pretty confident that he can surpass her. Uh, like, as in, they know that she was probably holding back in the footage that they got, but even so, they're confident that he could take her. So he's dangerous, yes. Uh, so he says to Niue, I'm taking Chiroha. She says, no, you're not. He's like, all right, fine. Uh, I'm going to elite, eliminate you and accomplish my mission. And uh, she, he starts whirling around what can best be described as a yo-yo dagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got a string attached to his wrist and it's got a dagger on the end of it. He slashes around. There's lots and lots and lots of slashes with a lot of force behind him. Them, And uh, when the dust settles, Nue has summoned... Uh, hollow weapons to defend herself big old crossing blades uh, and uh, this is not shocking to him at all he's like alright yeah your hollow weapon's out and uh, he says it's like you know you're just a clone manifested using Gakuro Yajima as the medium so the hollow weapons you can use must also rely on the medium's power so it must be taking all you can actually use uh, all you can just to wield that weapon so I don't think that that's going to last more than a minute and anyway says Actually, the limit's only 20 seconds. He says, okay, let's, let's, let's test Good that. Good to know. They go, they go after each other. Blades go out everywhere uh, and nearly actually strike Gakuro and Shiroha from where they're inside the building. Uh, and uh, the spirit says, like, oh, yeah, Moriyuki just plans to withstand the weapon usage time because it's got a time limit to it. He's got to put all he has to do is last 10 more seconds. But his defense is also reaching its limit. This is a very close match. But then, just as it looks like, oh, we're at the, 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 the big stalemate, Moriyuki drops this petal thing, like a, some sort of flowery uh, contraption that splits apart. It's a summoning pin to summon a Shikigami. And he spends a flashback explaining that he's going to do this, I guess. Uh, yeah it's a weird flashback because it's meant to like give scale to the fact that like this isn't just a thing anyone could do they're like it takes 10 years to produce one of these and costs a hundred million dollars 
And I'm like, it's such a weird, like, I understand you have to do that. Otherwise, we'll constantly ask, like, why didn't that character bring a summoning pinion in? But it, it like, right. the scale's hard to tell when you're just like, no one's, there's no opposite to it, I guess, that exists. We're just like, yeah, this guy has one. Uh, so he summons the Shikigami from this and it shatters Nue's hollow weapon. Uh, she seems surprised by this, but uh, that's the moment where we end the chapter is Gakka going, ah, Nue! And uh, that's where we go from there. Yeah, um, this chapter's not horrible. Um, it's mostly just kind of bland because this guy isn't all that interesting. Uh, and Nue herself is not particularly like a character I'm super invested in. I feel like tension for Shiroha because they're like, oh, he's coming for her. But like outside of that, it's just sort of like, here's like a silly little action chapter. And it's like, all right, I, you know, not too much of consequences really happening, I guess. Just kind of boring. All right. I don't have time to explain. Let me sum up the next chapter because it's 60 pages and we are I, we are get running late and we've got three more series to cover after this. It's a new series that's running in Shonen Jump called Two on Ice. It's a paired figure skating manga. And uh, the first chapter basically sets up the backstory of our hero and uh, this girl who inspires him when he's a kid to get into figure skating. He's always been in, in, really good at sports and stuff, but he sees her doing a figure stating uh, routine and immediately uh, just falls in love with the idea of figure skating. They sees like the way that she moves and is like, holy crap, how can she jump like that? What does the world look like to her? And who is that? And as he kind of followed her, he, he would like watch her competitions and stuff. Eventually she vanished right around fifth grade. She just disappeared from public view and he couldn't find any trace of her. He couldn't even figure out what her name was. And at that point, he felt alone until three years later. We catch up with him and he's now in middle school and uh, he's found he's moved away from where he grew up uh, in uh, the sticks and is now in Tokyo where they have ice skating rinks. And this way he can actually like skate all the time because previously he's just been skating outside. They didn't have an inside ice skating rink. Uh, so he gets into it. And uh, tries to do a triple axel the way that the girl that he's admired uh, did crash into the wall. And then who should show up? But very clearly the girl that he had admired from afar. He doesn't fully know it's her at first because, you know, it's been several years. These kids have been through puberty, but it's definitely her. Uh, and he does at least suspect it. Uh, we get some more indication of like how lonely he's been this whole time and stuff, how much this means to him. Then uh, we see that... Uh, the primary focus of what's going on here is paired skating. And he sees uh, that the two uh, people who kind of look after the rink and work there are a pair and they're skating together. And we get to see, you know, like all this stuff that he's never seen before. Cause the only skating that he figures skating he's seen before this point is individual events. So all this, there's all this throwing and catching and lifting going on. He's like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, and uh, then, you know, there's the girl that he's met up with. She does the exact same triple axle that he saw before. And, and at that moment, he's like, this is her. It's got to be her. And he starts to say, like, hey, I've been wondering if you were that girl. And she's like, look, do we need to do this right now? Why don't you take advantage of your ring time? Show me your skills first if you've got to have questions to ask me. And so he's like, OK, I've got to land this one. And he goes into it and 
the girl watches and is like, he's kind of sloppy, but his technique is the same as mine. It's my triple loop. And he pulls it off. And uh, so she's like, huh, did you base that on someone? And you realize like, oh, she knows. She knows that I know and that we've met before. And uh, he tells the story from his perspective to her in summary of like what he went through at this point. Like, oh, this girl convinced me how cool figure skating was. So I wanted to catch up to her. So I would pretend to go to bed and then sneak out my window in the middle of the night and practice on the ice rink in the schoolyard from one in the morning until the sun rose every morning. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of dedication. <laughs> it's like, because he realized, like, I've only got the winter months to practice because I've got to do this outside, and I would never catch up if I didn't do this. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't do it during blizzards and cold fronts, but I could make it back home as long as it was above five degrees outside. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, there's something wrong with you. Why'd you do that? He's like, I could have never caught up otherwise. Um, so then she's like, all right, well, show me what else, what else you could do. Everything else that he, could, he does besides the triple axle is really sloppy, even just basic spins and steps because he was single minded and just and just he practiced one kick a thousand times and practiced no other kicks, basically. But uh, everyone realized, like, hey, there is this guy who's got all this unknown hidden potential. And, you know, the other workers are realizing, like, there's this newbie. And then he's just met with this former prodigy who disappeared from the figure skating world. This might be fate. And the view shifts to the two of them actually skating together. And it's like they're skating back on his outside rink back home. And they're smiling and having a good time together. Uh, so, yeah, they've, they've had a good time. Eventually, she does say, like, yeah, like, it, it is me. I am that girl that you met. And there's only one way that you can skate with me. There's only one option. Pair up with me. I don't do singles competitions anymore. I just want to do pairs. That's why I haven't been skating this whole time. I've been looking for a partner. So we can pair up. And if you're the real deal, we'll formally become partners. And so he's kind of hesitant about it. They decide to do it temporarily and then see how things go. And they finally actually share their names with each other. And uh, they that's it. We get a pair is formed arc as the prelude chapter finishes. I really like this <laughs> so far. This is full blown a sports manga set uh, being set up, and it does what the thing that sports manga should do, which is explain to you why this is cool and important. And it just spends the entire chapter doing that from our main character's perspective uh, and throws in you know, enough twists and turns in there to really help establish the premise. So I really like this so far. I want to see where it goes. Yeah, I I am uh, optimistic for it, um, and I think I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the next two chapters are uh, engaging and fun. This one was a, a good little trip. Uh, Nick, we gotta get through Lusa uh, Samurai. So Sheena showed up last time, leg leg sword girl. Bet she's gonna do some cool stuff, right? She does for about four pages, and then Akie does even more cool stuff, guys. Look at how cool Akie is. Look at him shooting his arrows, shooting his arrows. We never seen him shoot his arrows before. It's really cool that he could shoot his arrows. And uh, Genba and Natsu uh, help uh, uh, Tokiki's uncle escape by uh, cutting him free and then riding down on his thing that he's pinned to. 
uh, and uh, he's safe. Okay. God damn. Uh, I like this chapter a little bit more. We do get a lot with uh, whatever her name is, uh, Sword Lady. Uh, but they also very quickly establish that she can only go for a period of time before she gets really exhausted because she just loaded up her shit with weapons. Uh, so right. uh, it's like a, a limiter. Uh, but the issue I, I have with this is that I'm like, I kind of like her and I think she's cool, but this won't retain my interest week to week because this isn't going to be the focal point or anything like that. It's the same like when Ayame or whatever her name was got like that big mallet where I was like, this is really cool. It's using this is really cool. But then the next chapter is going to be like, all right, this feudal lord is important for like a seven month period. So we had to introduce him <laughs> and, and talk about like his land development issues for a while. But because this is a, you know, like a weird series, uh, he's going to, I don't know, shoot his toenails off every time he, you know, gets excited or something. And I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> Just not as interested in that, unfortunately. Why do you have to have such an accurate review of the elusive samurai quest? <laughs> um, let's talk about Akane Vinashi. I apologize if people want us to talk more. We really have very limited time, and One Piece is absurdly long, like complicated this week. Akane Vinashi, story 79, the man who will be your guidepost. Uh, so, hey, last time uh, Karashi was getting messages from both Asagao and Akane, he goes to meet up with them. I like how gremlin-y Akane is during this sequence. He's a now. fucking monster this chapter. Uh, so they're mostly there to establish that, hey, Asagao was promoted to Fudatsuman. He's got, like, the banner and stuff on it, and Akane is helping himself, right? Yay! Karashi's like, yeah, okay. And they're like, what the hell? Why aren't you? Be more positive about stuff. Akane calls him Kasalti, which is like, alright. Um, and uh, so... That happens, and then they're like, wait, you're basically saying that, like, you knew that he was getting promoted, and then you came anyway, and they're like, "Oh, Karashi, you do care. Oh, God, I fucking hate these people. I fucking hate them. Uh, Akane has got a performance. She trips on her way to the stage, and Karashi is me like, huh, you klutz, and she says, no, I'm, I'm studying traditional dance right now, so my body is aching. I, so, I'm actually a female character with more character traits than I'm just a klutz. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and we get a brief establishing thing that she's been learning not just from Arara, but Mayura, Arara's mm-hmm. uh, you know, disciple. So uh, and she, it's not been going well. She doesn't take to dance uh, very readily. But she puts on her performance and Karashi is watching her from the sides. Uh, one of the other Zens uh, notes that like, oh, man, Akane is great. You know, everyone says that she's it's really easy to go on after her. She's a great crowd warmer. She's learned all these different things. She's expanded her repertoire. Everyone thinks she's going to have a big breakout moment. And Karashi just thinks back to watching the competition, seeing Hikaru beat Akane and just mutters to himself, should have won then. Damn, <laughs> fucking savage, <laughs> fucking brutal. <laughs> she wasn't even uh, there and he killed her. No. <laughs> Uh, he uh, heads off because he's not there for the performance, but for something else. Uh, we also established that in addition to the to the dancing stuff that Akane has been learning to play the taiko drums. And so Asagao notes like, oh, yeah, you're getting all you're expanding your repertoire. You're aiming for that Futatsume rank. Just like I got. Holds <laughs> <laughs> no, up the banner again. Uh, but he establishes like, hey, the main thing, though, that's preventing you from going up to Futatsume is you've got to get a recommendation from one of the Arakawa Arch 4, and that's a problem 
because Shigama can't recommend you. You're his pupil. And then there's uh, Iken, who was, you know, had the results of the previous election round. And then there's Zensho, who doesn't like Shigama's pupils. And these are all people who are like, you know, are, they rotate on the judges panel to give their recommendations for who gets promoted. So the next chance that Akane really has to get promoted through that competition is from the fourth of the Arch Four, Taizen Arakawa, the Furious, the youngest member of the four. And, uh, but Akane's like, well, yeah, but the four, the, the Arch Four can decide to extend a recommendation at any time, though. Uh, but Asagawa's like, yeah, but he's a lone wolf. You're not going to get anywhere waiting for him. So, and also, and they, then they establish the Red Sekai stuff. But Akane is like, look, I got to become a Fatazme as soon as I possibly can. I've got people I need to catch up to, rivals to beat, a wish I want granted. I can't stand around jockeying in place. And oh, nice, nice little, just like, hey, look, I'm serious about this. I got to go for it and be serious about it. I got my rivals. I got to, yeah. Yeah. So she says she's going to make her own opportunity. Uh, and Asuka's like, okay, but you don't have any way to do that. Yes, you got any <laughs> ideas? <laughs> Again, she's she's in she's a full fucking little monster this chapter. Yeah. Uh, but as it turns out, Asuka does have an idea. He's like, look, I found this while I was cleaning Master's home this morning, so you might want to take a look at it. That's him, right? The one you were asking Master Hasho about recently. And it's an old advertisement that, in, that includes Shinta being advertised for an event, along with uh, Chocho Kunjakute and Master Taizen. So Asuka points out that these three guys were like the three musketeers at the time, which is a big thing, especially like for Japanese organizations and sports and stuff. Uh, so uh, they're like, OK, so look, I don't know anything about this. But this is a link. There's one person I could put you in touch with that you can ask about Master Tyson. Today's closer is Chocho Kondakute, the man who will be your guidepost. And as it turns out, this is also the reason that Karashi is here. He's been instructed by his master to go and see him, to go to Yasakate and meet Chocho Kondakute because of all the accomplishments that he has had. Uh, even as uh, with how quickly he, he we went through them at an early age. So, yeah, two different people co- trying to run into this guy at the same time. Yeah, good chapter. There's a lot of details that we get. Uh, I like the idea. Like, OK, it makes sense what we got a Karashi chapter last week. He is going to be a central like, kind of element to this arc. Um, lots of new characters getting kind of like teased and introduced. Should be a good time. And I love uh, Akane in this chapter. She just has such really a, a fun energy. Yeah, good stuff. Alright, Nick. Let's wrap things up with One Piece oh. 1093 Luffy versus Kizaru. I'm starting so, to get a headache. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> uh, Luffy is in his Gear 5, and I do love it. Uh, Borsalino is uh, very, like, old base, like, ooh, well, this is no good. Now, now, let's not get carried. <laughs> and Luffy just hurls him across the room. He's like, away. <laughs> it's very, very funny. Um, Atlas is like, hey, I'm going to go somewhere. And they're like, where are you going to go? She's like, I'm going to go to get control of the pacifistas otherwise we're just going to get assaulted by them the second the barrier goes down so that that's what we have to do there's no higher authority than the vega punks here 
Uh, Vegapunk himself, Vegapunk Prime or whatever, is like, wait, I'm going to go with you. They're like, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, (laughs) You're kind of the one everyone here that ever tried to kill or whatever. Uh, He calls out to Frankie and he's like, Frankie, Bonnie is somewhere down below. And he's like, oh, she's alive now. She got kicked into the barrier. That's so good. I was worried about her. He's like, how the fuck? Why did a grown man like you let her get kicked? He's like, my bad. I'm going to go find her. (laughs) Um, Sanji is also overhearing this. He is with Jinbei to explain why they weren't there when Gazaru showed up. They are basically packing things up. They're going for luggage. I don't know if that luggage is supposed to be anything in particular. Uh, I think it's just important Vegapunk technologies. Uh, it's, it's it's the walking luggage, you know, your your traveling companion. Yeah. Oh, it's me, looking luggage here with my very problematic personality. <laughs> uh, we look down into the Fabrio phase. Uh, a bunch of Marines are looking for Bonnie. They are getting affected by a power either being turned into children or to like the elderly. And we see that she is hiding behind a rock as uh, she overhears somebody saying, we've spotted said tomorrow he's burned to a crisp. We see a little flashback that after she got thrown into the barrier, she fell down, but uh, she was going to crash into the ground. But sent tomorrow caught her and gave her a moment. He's like, run away before the Navy gets here. Uh, so that's the last thing he did. And she's kind of like, damn, what can I do? How do I stay hidden until this all blows over? Uh, Luffy has a little bit of a funny moment where he, because uh, we cut over there, and he's like, hey, Zoro, do you want me to help uh, with your fight? And Zoro's just like, focus on Kizaru, please. <laughs> Uh, he's having a good. I can't like, cut a man made of light. <laughs> he actually can. It just it may can't. not go well. It'll just be very hard. Yeah. Uh, he has a cool line where he's like, "If this is the best you could do, Lucci, I wouldn't expect you to get a shot at our captain." Uh, but Lucci's like, "We'll see." And even if I don't, getting to kill the number two of an emperor of the sea is kind of worth it. So it's all fun. Yeah. Cut over to Borsalino, who's just flying. He's like, "I seem to be heading into the ocean." <laughs> Uh, very funny, and then he just like shifts to the dime, shoots a bunch of lasers up towards Luffy, uh, turns himself into lasers to follow after, and all the lasers turn into Porcelino clones that make their own light sword and are attacking Luffy. Uh, he kicks one, it's hollow, he's like, shit, they're not all real, so he does like a little Looney Two run, uh, gets them all to, yeah, gets them to follow after him, and then he's like, ah, I tricked ya, and he kicks all of them at once, and all of them disappear, he's like, huh. They get the real one, and then there's an explosion in the, in the lab, and he's like, oh my god, and poor Slater's just attacking everybody. He has her slumped by the throat. I know, I'm like, Luffy, oh, Luffy! And his eyes doing the fucking text. Avery, like, uh, oh my god, there's so many different things happening. We cut over to the Vegapunk 8. Vegapunk Prime and Atlas are inside of it. They're wheeling down. They're headed towards uh, the surface. Sanji leaps on. He's like, uh, if you're going, then I'm coming too, because he wants to see Bonnie. Uh, Vegapunk's like, hang on, Bonnie. I'm coming to save you. I won't leave that poor child to die. Uh, Luffy's like, no, Apple Man, if you don't, if you go into the open, they'll kill you. Poor Slater's like, he's in the open. I'm going to kill him. Shoots a laser at him. Luffy jumps in front of the laser and eats it. Then he goes, ah, it burns. And light it comes is sh- out of his eyes. Yeah, light is shooting out of every orifice. It's very funny. Um, and then we end the scene with Frankie also jumping onto the Vega, uh, Vega Tank 8 and saying, I'll go to Lilith, you use the General Frankie to carry the ship. <sighs> Wrapping up the chapter, we are at the yes. coast of Egghead. Uh, the Marines are noting, like, alert, Vegapunk is descending. There's, uh, we have Edison, who's partially deactivating the Frontier Dome, so it's just kind of like letting them out for a quick second before bringing it back up. 
Uh, but we get a call from uh, Atlas, who's like, all pacifistas, Vegapunk is new orders. We have to wipe out all of the Navy soldiers on this island. Nick, fucking seven months ago, the hierarchy of the pacifistas was established, and at the very top was the five elders. So the big event that they have been teasing that happened at Egghead Island does seem to be that one of the five elders is going to have to get directly involved in things. Right. Uh, Jay Garcia Saturn is just hanging on a ship, but this looks like the moment where he's like, motherfuckers are going to drag me into this, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> so. so we'll see. Uh, what, yeah, very eventful chapter in terms of just like a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the way that uh, Kizaru and Luffy's fight is taking them all over everything mm-hmm. uh kizaru you know is a light man he can go everywhere instantaneously and luffy also has insane batshit powers so he can mostly keep up with him uh so i like how they're not just like doing stuff like in you know a dragon ball z field it's like no everyone's moving around and while they're moving around they're crossing paths with kizaru constantly while luffy's trying to hold him at bay mm-hmm. it makes it much more interesting than if they're just fighting from the get-go there's a lot of movement um, as well with the characters mm-hmm. being established as we mentioned sanji and frankie have jumped onto it so they're down there too there's, there's a lot of moving parts yep uh i kind of got also got attached to atlas in this chapter a little bit because it's just like she's just a giant robot girl and i don't want her head to explode again <laughs> like it did before <laughs> hey it could be like pythagoras where they just get exploded exactly yeah, yeah it's it, it's one of those things where it's like she's just such a big target and i kind of wince it when she's yeah getting into you're like oh your hitbox is too big and there is a guy with laser light powers this is a bad sign um uh, but, really yeah. good chapter though I, I i do we had to run through it pretty quickly but i think a lot of this is very very cool and tell me uh we had some good chapters this week uh a lot of them, I think, didn't really get the attention that they deserved. But uh, we had we had to talk about how there wasn't anything to talk about in uh, too long. It was very important to do that. What was your um, favorite series this week? I think my favorite series is One Piece. I really had a lot of fun with this One Piece chapter. I like Borsellino, uh, his whole personality of like being just this like old man who's just like, no, 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 let's not get carried. And him getting just flung across the way is like legitimately very, very funny to me. Uh, and I do like him showing up, but he's also just so terrifying when he does show up. Like, I think it's very cool. Luffy kills all the clones and he's like, where's the real one? And the real one's just fucking up his crew. <laughs> Didn't waste a, a moment because it could not have taken Luffy very long to do that. Yeah. too. So. Very, very cool. Yeah. A lot of like just cool details. And I do, as I said, like, I don't think it's ever been a surprise that they were going to pay off the five elders thing when they established that in one piece as like the pacifist to control. But like, as we move towards it, like, damn, this actually does feel like a pretty big moment for the series. Uh, I'm going to give my favorite series to Undead Unluck. I uh, just really liked the way we got to see more of the bond between Lala Layla and uh, Rip uh, in this. Mm. And it was just, you know, sweet and yeah. nice to have the depth moment together. Yeah, very good one. My character of the week uh, is going to be iroha from cypher academy i said he's he's he was so cool in this chapter he did like five moments and i was like this is fucking a baller ass moment uh so i really want to give him a uh, proper attention really really cool chapter 100 percent agree with you uh a character for this type of series has no right to be as cool as he was in this chapter yeah. <laughs> 
um, but the, yeah, the audience... I love how matter-of-factly he puts, you know, like, this is why I'm making my choice, uh, and he just is sticking to his guns, and it's reminding you, like, hey, this is why everyone is following this guy. Yeah. So. His character has convictions, and I appreciate him for it. Um, the audience, by the way, picked Blue Box as their chapter of the week, and Ayame from Blue Box good. as their character of the week. Totally understand that, both those very, yeah. very good options. Yeah, absolutely. And that is going to do it, everyone, for Weekly Manga Recap for this week. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us for this edition of the show. We record it here on twitch.tv slash T Wednesdays around 7.30 Eastern Time. You can also follow us on social media and on, join the Discord server to find out exactly when we're going live. Uh, the Discord server is great. We've got uh, conversations going and discussions going on about all sorts of manga-related stuff on there. Uh, and you can use it to find the Google Doc which uh, contains all sorts of stuff about the history of the show, series that we've covered, series that we may cover in the future if you uh, chip in and add your voice to to it, uh, and ask us questions for future series as well. That's, it's all really good stuff, maintained by Ninja X3i. And we also want to extend thanks to Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsdale Cheddar. They created the opening sequence for the video version of the show, which you can see on youtube.com slash recap. Steve Mann does the occasional title card for us as well. You can check out his artwork uh, everywhere. Uh, it's under the username Steve Man Art. And uh, also uh, just check out the podcast's previous episodes in all sorts of places. There's the YouTube versions. There's also Podbean, weeklymongerecap.podbean.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. And you can check out bonus stuff on Weekly Manga Recap's Patreon, patreon.com slash weeklymongerecap. Uh, just this past week, we recorded an episode together where I spent a bunch of time talking about uh, basically why i hate damian wayne from dc comics uh and uh a great bonus podcast nick explains uh, a whole comic run thank you and uh uh, it's it's a delight and uh so now there's something very important that's that tends to happen each year um which is that uh haunted stuff happens in October mm-hmm. uh, here on the podcast. But, so before the the Blood Moon Rises, Quinn, can you tell me what series we're going to be talking about uh, the next time we do a recommendation? Yeah, so uh, we have a whole bunch of uh, picks for October. Uh, and I was challenged because I, there's a lot that are good uh, that are interesting, but they're very long. So I was at the crossroads of picking between a long one or a short one, and I truly left it up to fate. I, I put a, a, bu- a bunch of picks in a wheel and just spun it. Whatever came up was the answer. So the one we're going to be covering first is a short one, it looks like. Uh, this is a recommendation from Molderman. It is a series called Hideout. Uh, the description just says a short and creepy revenge slash 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 slasher manga. <laughs> um, so it's only it's only nine chapters. It looks like um, so it looks like at least for now, we'll start off trying to get a couple uh, short things in here. OK, then hideout is yeah. the manga that we will be talking about next time, guys. Thank you all for joining us for this. Very, very what have I done with my life? Why did I spend all this time writing up a Google Doc about Tillovru? It was not worth the effort. Anyway, that's Weekamaga Recap, everybody. So before I descend into an existential crisis, I hope you all have a good one. Yeah, now, Nick, uh, what, what did we read for Sadistic September? <sighs> 
We read To Love Vru. But Nick, don't you mean to love Gwen, where are you going? Gwen, Gwen, where'd you go? I'm too tired to put the costume on. Boo. Spook Western Journal next week. Bye. (laughs)